0: When you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit angie.com that's a n g i . c o m. It's only a kick.
1: A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, guys. Welcome back to the podcast, Life Wide Open Podcast. We're going to just jump right into it. We got a very important guest today, a 13-time Snowmobiles X Games medalist, world record holder, Minnesota native, and one of our childhood idols. Might go as far to say one of our friends now. (laughs) So, warm welcome to Levi La Valley. Uh, welcome on the podcast, man. Thank you,
4: thank you. You you messed up though right off the get. You said a, an important guest, and I said that.
1: I looked around like, where's the important guy at? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're you're selling yourself short, man. You're uh, might go as far as to say one of the most important guests we've had. Right up there with Haley Deegan, obviously. So it's a kind of a kind of a ba- uh, battle between the energy drinks. We had a monster athlete on last week, and then a Red Bull athlete on this week. Yeah. So you guys can decide down in the comments. I mean, after the podcast, who took the title? But when I was preparing to come over here, I was like thinking, I'm like, all right, these guys, like they they go
4: hard, right? I'm like, I'm gonna have to bring some energy to keep up with them. Is what I was. <laughs> even though it's in the morning, I'm like, I really got to be. I got to bring my A game. And you did. You brought a cooler full of Red
5: Bulls.
3: What <laughs> more could we ask for, honestly? Yeah. <laughs> Last time when we came up to see you, do we, do we know, is it official or is it an unofficial world record? <laughs>
5: <laughs> I like calling it unofficial. It's, more, it's funnier. Uno- yeah.
3: Unofficial, official world record. We jumped a, you and Jake tandem jumped a snowmobile. 200 no no
5: no
4: oh, 140 <laughs> 200, 200 would feet. be pretty crazy uh, it was it was like 100 and we went over 100 feet i remember because yeah. it was like maybe 100 106 yeah something one, that's right
3: it was just over 100
4: yeah which <laughs> i to be honest like the idea was like oh this is gonna be great when you guys were like hey you know can we like shoot something i'm like yeah for sure and then i like i got like the gears start turning, I'm like, it'd be awesome just to like, I'm not going to tell them. I'm like, just come to the shop. Cause everyone would assume we're going to go in the foam pit and flip or something like that. And I'm like, Oh, this is going to be great. So, (laughs) so I like, I start scheming this, this two up snowmobile issue is I didn't take into consideration that Jake was like 200 plus pounds and (laughs) he's a big boy. Yeah. He was a big dude. And I'm like, Holy cow. Cause I, I tested it with a guy that was like maybe 150 pounds and even with him, he was like huge air wheelie, and I'm going, oh my goodness, like, what am I going to do with a big guy on there? Well, then Jake gets, there, I'm like, how much you weigh? weighs? Like, oh, I'm like two ten or something. <laughs> I'm like, oh. I'm like, just lean forward, lean forward when we jump, and he did awesome. You know, unfortunately, my my apparatus of handlebars and seat wasn't up to two hundred ten pounds of fury that Jake had. But and did, he about tore it right off. Didn't he
1: end up blowing out the running boards?
6: Yeah. <laughs> yeah <isn't laughs> like that weird? He,
1: he like ripped the running board <laughs> off and, and almost tore the handlebar off. And I'm like, to me I'm like, hey, that's the price you pay for fun, right? <laughs> Dude, that was the best. Were you worried having well you didn't have a sign any like liability forms or anything <laughs> like that. So you weren't that worried, I'd imagine, yeah. but uh, were you worried about having like somebody else risk being responsible for somebody else when you were jumping because usually it's just you yeah usually it's me i think when when we did the jump
4: i mean i was pretty nervous because when he got on the sled like squatted way down <laughs> and i'm like oh man and then we hit that little the little like three foot mound in the thing the front end just like full wheelie off it i'm going oh this this could be bad <laughs> right so i'm like kind of like you know, anxiety building and Jake's back there with a wig on and he's, <laughs> he's, <got laughs> his yeah, ponytails. he's screaming and stuff. And I'm like, I, I rounded the corner before we went to hit it. And I said like, how are you feeling back there? And he's like, oh, I'm ready. Let's do this. And I'm like, that's one of us.
5: <laughs> and, like, and I feel like I even nervous. if he wasn't ready, he was going to tell you he was. Yeah. Like, no matter how nervous you were, you're like, well, are you ready? He'd be like, yeah, yeah, no. I think so. Yeah. I don't think it was your fault that broke. I, that that was a hell of a, a contraption. Like yeah. when when we showed up, we were genuinely surprised. Mm-hmm. Like that was an awesome video. Yeah, a like kind of a one off thing. It was fun. I think the cool
4: part too is we all got to like we did the little jump and then we got to go ride. Which, yeah, you know that that's at least we. A lot of the things that you do, you go to shoot, you go to film or whatever, and it's like you're on a schedule. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand. Yeah, is that you're there to like kind of essentially do a job. But to, like, end with, like, hey, let's all just go rip, like, that was pretty fun. It was mm-hmm. fun seeing you guys in the fields and stuff, ripping wheelies on everything. and it That was, was a ton fun. of fun.
5: And you had enough sleds for all of us. Well,
1: yeah. that was like, we
4: thing. just kept pulling. And so then we got could. that guy that got stuck. Remember? Yeah. Oh, the, guy my with the gosh, razor? dude. Yeah.
1: There's oh, yeah. so much. That was such a good video. <laughs> uh, it was funny because uh, when you were telling us, uh, the first mistake was you were communicating with Jake what our plan was. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so we were like, <laughs> yeah. Jake. All right, what are we doing? He's like, dude, I don't know. Levi won't tell me. He's just like, show up and let's have fun. And we were like, do we need to bring our <laughs> snowmobiles or anything? And Jake's like, hey, bro, no. No, we're fine. And we yeah. show up and you go, where's your guys' snowmobiles? <laughs> and we go, Jake, what? So luckily, yeah, you had like 12 brand new Polaris snowmobiles that we could go and ride yeah. afterwards. It was fun. It was a good <laughs> trip for sure. Okay, so that was, that was an unofficial world record, but you hold an actual world record. Yeah. Longest snowmobile jump.
4: So in what was it? 2000 end of 2011 for rebel new year, no limits. Uh, Robbie Madison and myself jumped, um, over a 300 foot water gap. And we ended up, I ended up jumping 412 feet on my snowmobile. So it was kind of a cool thing because we, we tried to do it the year prior and it was supposed to be just, just myself there. And I was going to do like, snowmobile distance jump, same setup and i had a my sled cut out in the air and i did a 360 foot endo and i had to jump over the handlebars and i landed on my side and broke all my ribs collapsed both my lungs and fractured my pelvis and fractured a few vertebrae and like it was like lucky to be alive after that one and uh the next year, I remember like Red Bull, they were super cool about it. They said, Hey, you know, do you, uh, you, they would check on me like every couple of weeks. Like, how's everything going? Yeah. Cause I was, I was broken. You know, I sleeping yeah. in a chair cause I couldn't lay down. Cause I was, uh, we started talking and I just said, man, I'm just like bummed that we weren't able to show the world what we were capable of because we had a great group of great group of people and great setup. And, uh, cause before that you
5: had landed it, correct?
4: I landed, uh, 361 feet was the longest when I jumped in practice. And then we had one last jump and it was supposed to be under the lights at night to simulate what it was going to be like on new year's. And when I hit that, um, you know, you hit the gas and brake to adjust the attitude of the machine. And I hit the brake to bring the front end down. And when I hit the gas to counter it, it just bogged. And so it just, do you know why? Uh, we had a carburation issue that, it started at like 275 foot jumps and it was cutting out and I was doing these like 275 foot endos and landing on my front end and I would slam into the dash and you know, I'd come back and I'm like, it's cutting out. And they're like, okay. And they try stuff. And the only way to to figure out if they fixed it was I'd have to go jump again.
3: So I did that.
4: (laughs) I did that three times. And the third time I endo and I, like, land on the skis and I slam into the dash and I ride out of it. And Now, keep in mind, 275 feet at that time, the world record was 301. So I'm, like, little over 20. I'm 26 feet from world record longest jump in history
3: on a snowmobile. And you're, like, but, almost crashing on and it. Yeah, I'm, like,
4: endoing <laughs> every time. And I'm, like, all right. I'm like, so I'm kind of nervous just because you're – you aware of how big the jumps you're doing are and you're like i i finally went in the third one i said we got to get this figured out because there are, i don't know how many more 275 foot endos i'm gonna ride out of yeah you know and then they figured it out And what was happening is sucking so much fuel out of the bowl that when i would get in the air and hit the brake it would the, the fuel we think the fuel would kind of rise up and it would just suck air and then it would cut out so then I, I couldn't, you know, I'd get up there, hit the brake. When I hit the gas, it would just
1: suck air and go, blah, blah,
5: Only gravity problems you have when you're literally flying. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Dude, so on the crash, what was going through your brain, or or was it just blackout when, when it bogged and you were like, oh, I'm crashing?
4: The nice thing is I don't remember anything of the crash. So they, like, they must have rewinded the tape and just, it end or something let's delete, <laughs> let's delete this yeah clip. just delete that because i don't remember the last thing i remember from that night was they had a mini bike because of the run-in was 1100 feet long and i would drive that thing around to get back and forth and i remember i put my gear on i drove down there and that was the last thing i remember and then the next thing i woke up in the hospital like four days three days later and i was like whoa what happened you were in a coma And they, so they, they, I think they put me in a a self-induced coma because I was broken off and whatnot. And they, cause what happened, what I was told was when I crashed, like my body skipped over a hundred feet. Like, so I I hit the ground on my side and my body like skipped a hundred feet through the air and then landed upside down on my head. And I started rolling. And then my wife, she was like, I rolled right by her, you know, at, at a hundred mile an hour, I'm like, rolling by and she's like wow I just watched him die yeah. you know and she comes running out and they had all these safety protocols that you know if something bad happened make sure nobody gets to him no one touches them and so somebody intersected my wife and like grabbed her so she didn't like start to, try to move me around yeah. or anything and then the ambulance came and, and I was knocked out and uh, story goes like I came to after they like hey Levi Levi and I came to, and because I collapsed both my lungs, I couldn't breathe. So I was, like, freaking out. I'm like, you know, like when you knock the wind out of yourself and you're like, like that? I was, like, doing that, and I couldn't breathe. So they're like, don't move because you might have, you know, back injury or neck injury, and we don't want you to move. And I was, like, like incredible hulking them, like, <laughs> wrestling them off of me and stuff. And they're like, stop moving, right? So they just pinned me down and and then you know after that they had to put um they put the chest tubes in they put chest tubes on both sides because both of them were collapsed and um to, for my collapsed lungs and then they hauled me to the hospital and you know i didn't know it at the time you know but i was it was a couple years later i collapsed another lung in a snow cross race and this guy was giving me the whole spiel about how collapsed lungs you know you got fluid in it and you got a drain it and blah, blah, blah. And I stopped him like after about three, four minutes of him telling me about collapsed lungs. I'm like, yeah, I know. I, I did them both a couple of years ago. And he's like, really? And he's like, would you tell me what happened? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. So I tell him the whole story. And afterwards he goes, he's like, you know, like you're lucky those paramedics knew how to put chest tubes in. Because so if, how fast yeah. did they do that? Like within minutes? Yeah, like it, apparently they did it like right away. They established that I had collapsed with my lungs, and they put him in. Oh. and He said if if they wouldn't have done that, that I would have for surely died before I got to the hospital. And he said that most most paramedics don't don't know how to put chest tubes in, so he's like, you were lucky that the guys that were there knew how to do it. Otherwise, yeah. you wouldn't have made it. Hats so, off to them. Yeah, Holy absolutely. That's insane. Yeah, so. It was wow. pretty cool, and, and what's funny is, like, you know, I say it nonchalantly, and I've said it nonchalantly for my whole life, but, yeah. you know, when you stop and you go, like, hey, I that guy saved my life, yeah,
6: <laughs> yeah. you
1: know, like, it, it hits you a little bit different. So, after all that happens, how are you laying in this hospital bed after
5: pretty much dying, and you go, I think I'm going to do that again. <laughs> Well, I didn't. Like you probably didn't make the decision that fast, or maybe you did.
4: No, I mean it wasn't like it wasn't there. Like the first thing was I I got out of the hospital, and then I had you know the fortunate thing was I I cracked my pelvis, but nothing was moved or anything, so I didn't have to have crutches, which was awesome. But I did have to have a walker, so I had a walker, and my my fun my one funny walker story was like I had my checkups, and I go to the hospital, and I go to the hospital, and it's winter time. And there I am with my walker, and I'm walking along, and and I'm, I, you know I come from the snow into the nice clean floor, and my little rubber pucks on the back are going, er, 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 every time <laughs> I would go, and I like looked over, and there's another older gentleman with. With a walker and he's got the tennis balls on the back. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I it all of a sudden hit me. I'm like, I am like a, a rookie walker <laughs> is what I am. Like that guy's like, come on, what are you doing, man? You put the tennis balls on so they slide.
0: <laughs> so I started laughing. But- Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. When you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. What comes to
3: mind when you picture the perfect roommate? One who comes when you call? One who doesn't forget to lock the doors? Maybe one who doesn't steal your milk just a little bit at a time, hoping that you won't notice. At Apartments.com, they understand that when it comes to roommates, a pet can be your best bet. They're easygoing, they eat what you serve them, and they never clog the toilet. And that's why Apartments.com has the most pet-friendly rental listings on the internet. And with instant alerts, you'll know the moment that your perfect pet-friendly place becomes available. When I need a new apartment, I will definitely need a pet friendly choice. So if you guys need a place that's pet friendly and human tolerant, check out apartments.com, the place to find your pet friendly place. Thanks, apartments.com for sponsoring the podcast. Anyway, so after
4: I got out of that, I was in my walker for a while. But I mean the thing is, is like I always I always say with injuries is the thing that I learned about injuries is it gives you it gives you all of a sudden, it forces you into a lot of time to reflect on things because you, you can't do anything else. Like I sat in a chair for a month, like going, watching TV and playing video games and you go, all right, like, how do I not do this anymore? Cause this is like, not what I like to do. So you start reflecting on things and that's, that's when like the whole idea of like, Hey, like we we broke the record. We could have showed the world what is possible on a snowmobile and we weren't able to like, it really like sunk in that it it bummed me out. And that's when talking with Red Bull and I just, they said, I was telling them that I said, I'm like, I'm just so bummed. We weren't able to show everyone what we're capable of. And they, I remember Dave, the gentleman that was uh, from Red Bull, he said he like paused and he's like, so Would you want to do it again? (laughs) And and I gotta ask, yeah. And I I didn't even skip a beat. I just said absolutely, you know. And and and, and he's like, okay. So then, like, uh, I don't know if it was a week or two went by, and he's like, so if you want to do it, like, Maddle will jump with you. Like, we could do it, and you know, it's totally up to you. And I'm like, I'm in, you know. And
1: Robbie Madison,
4: yeah, yeah. So did that
5: make? Was that more of an incentive? Like when he he said Robbie Madison will jump it with you, we're like, okay.
4: No, I mean, how I looked at it is I like, I looked at it as like, okay, that's the insurance plan because when it was me alone and then I crashed, they had to like cancel a huge production, you know? And I'm like, well, that makes sense. At least you got like two of us. So twice the chance of it actually happening, right? And when he did it and, you know, and I've, I've been to, I was was fortunate enough to go to Mattos jump in Vegas. I went to, I didn't get to go to the step up one, but he did a world record jump there and I got to see that and. And Matto is just, like, the guy's legendary when it comes to, like, big stunts and big jumps. And, you know, to, to share that stage with him, it was, like, it was a real honor, you know, because I think that guy is, you know, he's probably, probably one oh, gosh, he'd probably be the gnarliest one I've ever met. Like, just fearless, like, mentality. Like, he just felt, like, so can evil you know, like we'd be doing our jumps, like our practice jumps. I remember like after crashing the first year, I was scared to death the whole time. So Matt was like, <laughs> he gets there, you know, he, he couldn't get his bike together. So he missed like the first day or two of practice. And, you know, I had moved up to, you know, doing 300 foot jumps and, you know, cause they start you off real close and then they stretch it. And he, you know, so I'm already up to like 300 footers and and he's, like, at 150-foot gap, and he's, like, just in that day, It was like, yep, move it back, move it back. And he just got up to, like, where I was, like, right now. And I'm like, oh, wow, this guy's, like, he's pretty gnarly. Then, like, for me, it was always like, okay, you know, go. You know, like, we'll, we'll count you down, get the signal from him, course clear. You know, they'd go through this whole process, and then they would relay the message to my guy, and then he would say, go. Matto you know, he, he did the one jump, turned right around, drove back to the starting line, just hit it again. And there was like, no one said go. So there's like, people are all, all over the place. And I'm like, holy crap, man. Like He's just like, yeah, I just, I just felt like hitting it again. It felt cool. You know? And I'm like, oh man, like every time I jumped, I was like, you know, in your mind, you're like, dude, this could be the last jump ever. You know, you're, you're weighing all these options. He's just like, I'm just going for it. You know, and, and then our final jump was like, this is what really made Mato gnarly, super gnarly in my book, was our last jump of testing, you know, the night jump. We're both going to do this, our only tandem jump before we go to San Diego. We hit it, and I remember like the year prior, that was the jump that I crashed on. So I was like, it was dark, and I was like, you know, it reminded me so much of the videos that I saw of it and whatnot. And I just went, okay, just do the jump, do the jump. I, I landed the jump and I'm like, Oh, I did it. You know? And i look over and Maddo's riding. I'm like, we made it. We're going to San Diego. And I, I ride up and I jump off my sled and I go over and I like hug Maddo. And I'm like, you did it, man. Yeah. You know? And, and Maddo's like shaking and I'm like, dude, what's going on? And he like, he, nods his head down and he like points at his front wheel and there's spokes sticking out like everywhere on it. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like almost exploded his wheel on his la on the last jump. And I, I like, I, I was like blown away, you know? And they, so they went back and they watched the slow-mo video of it. And it, it literally like he only used like three quarters of a suspension. His suspension, his forks were so stiff that it wasn't even using the suspension. So that energy had to go somewhere. And it it just went to the wheel and almost exploded it. And that was our last jump. And there was no it wasn't like, okay, figure out the problem. We'll retest it and then you can try it again and then we'll go. It was like we don't have time. We gotta tear the scaffolding down. We gotta move this setup to San Diego tonight. So it was like he almost yard sailed and they said, Well Figure it out when you get there. And on that note. Yeah. You know, and I, I just went to tonight. Jeez. Wow. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I, I just went, man, unbelievable. So we show up three weeks later then for the big show in Maddo. Like, you know, they had the suspension. They He got a suspension softened up. And, you know, they said, hopefully it works. <laughs> Live TV. Good luck. Nuts. Oh, and then on top of that, there was – I remember we got there, and we hadn't dealt with this in any of our practice. He had uh, – there was the moisture from all the dew. was It was all um, plywood sheeting, and they had, like like, sand grit in it. Well, he was spinning on the run-in and up the ramp. So they did, like, an emergency, like, okay, we need – 1500 feet of expanded metal so he can get traction so they bought all this like expanded metal so that he had traction on the running and all the way up the run and and like on top of him not knowing if his front wheel is going to explode he doesn't know if he's going to have enough speed to clear the jump to do any of this stuff and he just goes for it live on on tv and i'm like dude you aren't in
1: Iron Man. You are a freaking gladiator. So there's levels to the craziness. <laughs> it is, it yeah. was crazy like, to like hear people, you. Go ahead. Yeah. Like people would look at you like, man,
5: this guy is insane. And you would look at Mato like, this guy's insane. <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> like that blew my mind hearing you go, yeah, he's fearless. And I go, well, no, you're fearless. You're fearless. There's Ugh. just levels to it. Um, that's cool. I've always, you know, growing up watching you and Robbie Madison, I've always uh, kind of put you in the same group. I'm like, well, Levi does all the same stuff Robbie does just on a snowmobile. Obviously, if you break Pushing it down, it's a little different. But, yeah, especially with those long jumps, especially with, you know, what what's the next biggest stunt? How can I blow people's minds yeah. and, and do what I love to do? Yeah, that's crazy. In a good way. We Crazy wa- in a good way.
3: We were watching the video too, and did you like have to pile drive the wall at the end of the jump? <laughs> yeah. That's why I was like, "There's no smooth ride out. Like you literally just crash into this oh. wall at the end of the jump." <laughs> the the best part about that. That's a great story.
4: So <laughs> so we we do all our jump, all of our practice jumps. We are at Fontana Speedway, and they have this. It's all on scaffolding, so they can like literally take that setup and make it exactly the same for the jump. Well, they did. The only problem is they didn't have the endless runout. Like, I had thousands of feet of runout at Fontana Speedway. We're in this massive parking lot. So, for the the jump, we're in San Diego. We're on this, like, this little chunk of land, and there's ocean off the back. So, they're like, well, you know, we need to have the energy station, this big, like, Red Bull structure. For the VIP, that's going to be right at the back. And I'm like, okay, so prior to us jumping, they have to, for insurance purpose, they have to, like, walk you. You have to walk the run in, check the jump, check the landing, check the run out, and you have to essentially sign off on it. Say, yes, this is exactly the same, and yes, I'm I'm comfortable with this. So I'm walking through the whole setup. I walk the run in, I walk the jump. They all look the same. You know the difference is there's 300 feet of water between ramp and landing which we didn't have that the first go around but you know I'm like yeah it looks about the same so we walk around then we go to the landing site and we walk up the landing and they're like yep so we got you know landing is 200 foot long or whatever it was and then we've got 180 feet of runout is what he said <laughs> and I'm like 180 feet <laughs> I'm like I'm like I didn't stop under 220 once in all of our practice you know and like i did like purposely like try to slow down just because i they're like see if you you know if you land if you think of it try to see how long it takes you to shut down so I, i did the last few and i never stopped under 220 feet i'm like and he goes yep so we got 180 feet of run out And i like, and then there's like, and then we got the barricade, you know, because the VIPs will sit right behind that. The VIPs need to be close. (laughs) They need to be close, and they need to
1: feel you hitting them, Levi. Yeah.
4: (laughs) They want to feel the eruption when I blast in the wall. So, I, anyway, so I I like paused, and I was like, I'm like, I'm like 180 feet. I'm like, I never stopped under 220. And he looked at me, and he goes well, just hit the brakes harder. <laughs> I
6: was That's like... That's not how it works.
4: I just said, I'm like, just make sure there's tough blocks on that wall because I'm for surely going to hit them. He smoked them. Yeah. Smoked them. Did but, but I Madison had, like, hit them too? No, no, no. He had a front brake. Like dirt bikes, they can stop pretty I quick. I suppose. Yeah. yeah. It's all wet grass too. So I come in wet grass on a snowmobile and I'm like <laughs> sliding. And But I had this like idea. Like I I never try to get ahead of myself when I'm doing like jumps and stuff like that. I'm like just... Task at hand. Don't get ahead of yourself. You know, so I always like that. So I didn't put a lot of thought into the stopping. But when I landed, I'm like, okay, okay, stop. And, like, in that, you know, second or whatever you have, a couple seconds, I was like, okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to slide, slide, hit the brakes. As I'm coming to the wall, I'm just going to let the sled go out in front of me, and I'm going to run out of it. And it's going to be like, I'm going to look like, you know, Tarzan or something. You're Uh going to look super rad, just... Sled gun, and it runs into the wall, and I'm, yeah, I did it, like that. So, my whole plan, I go to try that. And I don't know if you guys ever tried jumping off, like, a moving vehicle before. Yeah, yeah. It, It's, like, especially in the wet grass, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. So, I I step off probably at 15 to 20 mile an hour, and I just my feet go out right out from under me and then so I'm, I've like assumed the like lugeing position my feet out in front and I'm just sliding on my back and I'm looking at them like sleds into the wall and the sled hit the wall and it turned like perpendicular to me and I'm like holy cow I'm just gonna run right into it <laughs> and I like I like penciled, penciled in literally between the the ski and the track like there's one open spot and I just my feet went right through there and I hit the the tough block on the other side. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> like, cause I mean, if I would have hit the spindle or the track, I mean, I could have broken an ankle or I could have got wounded. Right. But I like totally missed it. But I was like, literally like right underneath my snowmobile. Like
1: I used like my snowmobile to push out from under it. I'm like, yes. <laughs> they you know, take like, you out on a stretcher. And they're like, Levi Valley crashes into the tough blocks. Yeah. <laughs> he did the jump just fine, yeah. but, but he, he actually bodied himself into
5: the wall. Yeah, yeah, I love how you not only fell off but you continued to keep sliding. Oh yeah. <laughs> like cruising.
4: Yeah, I like slid pretty good. Mm-hmm. It was it was awesome. But the cool thing is I kept that sled and you know, I I it still has the grass on it. Like I made sure there's like some chunks of grass on the running board from after when I stepped on it and whatnot. I just said I'm like I want it exactly the same as as it was. So there's like the grass is still on it and everyone's like like, yeah, that thing's all dirty. And I'm like, I know, I know. That's that's,
6: <laughs> that's the point. San
1: Diego grass. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, man, that's insane. Uh, not to move on from how crazy that was, but the double backflip. Yeah. the the sec, or That would technically be the first world record attempt, right?
4: First one to ever do the backflip. Yeah, double back flip. it was the first double backflip rotated. I, I can claim first rotated double backflip on a snowmobile. And, uh, the landing was not pretty at all. It was, I, it, you know, you can't expect much though. It was, they, they said they figured I was over 60 feet up in the air. So from the ground, from the ground is what they figured. And then I like, I almost flat landed, like caught the last little bit of tranny. And I was fortunate cause I landed, I landed like probably eight ten inches to the left. And when I landed like that, it, um, I kind of like it was like a glancing blow on my seat so I just remember I remember my right butt cheek it felt like it felt like someone grabbed onto it and tried to like rip it off of me and like you know but I was like so jacked up on adrenaline I just like took off running I had a sprained ankle and I'm like running up the hill like,
6: yeah
4: yeah we did it you know and then and then they come up and interview me up there and then on the walk down I was like gosh ankles feel a little weak oh my butt cheek You're really killing me <laughs> yeah. everything hurts yeah and uh so yeah. we we did that but the the double flip it was an interesting thing you know that was it was a it was a pretty neat time in my life now I don't wanna say neat but it was it was interesting to reflect on because the year prior is my first year doing freestyle and I remember like we started freestyle we won freestyle, speed and style, male athlete, the X games. And I remember leaving X games that year. And I mean, I bet it wasn't a week. And I was like, dude, I'm doing a double backflip next year. And I'm like, I'm, I'm building a foam pit and I'm, I had the whole plan. So So at that
5: point you didn't even have a foam pit.
4: No, I didn't have a foam pit. I do not have any of that. And I was just like, I'm building it all. I'm doing it, you know? And so I, I got into it and, um, you know, once I got started in it, I had a plan, but the, it was a terrible plan, <laughs> but, but it worked but anyway, it was a plan. <laughs> I had somewhere to go with it. So we figured it out. Like, I mean, double flips pretty easy. It's like, you know, if you know how to rotate a back flip, just go higher. You need more time. Yeah. It makes, it honestly <laughs> makes know? total sense. So, so I just said, I'm like, you know, I need to figure out how to go higher and higher. So I just start propping a ramp up and then I'm like, Holy oh cow. It's like, I'm. still not even close so we we literally put a hinge in the middle of the ramp and we put this like kink in it so the top half of it was really steep so I would like come in like a wall wall, no I mean it wasn't like full wall it was 60 it was 64 degrees is what it was it was 64 and the second time we did it the skis were I had an adjustable ramp where the outer skis could Adjust and that was up to like seventy two, so which is pretty steep for. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, but yeah, so anyway, so we started in that process, and I remember like when we finally got to the point of like you know because my my strategy was I'm gonna do a rotation and then on the second rotation I'll throw it out in front of me and I'll see how far the snowmobile rotates on its own, and once it rotates around to where. You know, it's rotating at it the second flip without me. You know, it's, it, you'd think it'd be easier with me on it, right? So, so that was my idea, and we got it where the sled. You know, where I would, I would do one flip, and then on the second one, I would do like a quarter. So the sled was straight up and down, and then I would just shove the sled out in front of me, and then the sled would land on the foam pit, and I would land on the foam pit behind it. And I did that like I would pencil dive in, and it's it was so awesome because by the end, you know, I was probably going 50, 50, 55 feet up in the air and I'm throwing the sled and I'm landing in like 10 feet of foam. So I'm falling like 40 feet through the air, like rolling up the windows, you know, and then I would pencil dive into the foam and the foam, like I hadn't had a foam pit before, so I didn't know what to expect. But what happens is the foam, it, it jiggles around and it slowly like works itself together. And it makes this like, all the cubes are like compressed together and on the bottom they're like like really tight so when I would pencil dive in from 40 feet up you know with my snowboard boots my my feet don't move you know my ankles don't bend so I would land in there and I I couldn't move my feet they'd be like cemented down into the foam so they'd have to winch me out of the foam pit (laughs) As well, so I had to make a. We made a rope with like knots on the end, like for like you know, reminded me of like the tricep one you see at the gym. Yeah. So I had one of those on the on the log truck. We had this like log truck with a big boom on it, and they would come over. They would pull the sled out, and then they would come get me. And it was all I could do to hang on with my grip. I was stuck in there so hard. That it was everything I could do to hang on to pull me out of the phone.
6: <laughs>
5: That's the sound it made when they pulled
3: you. Yeah, out. and this it is all crazy. in your backyard. This is not like a professional. This is in your yard. Yeah, right? it's at my shop. Yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> so it it was cool. I mean, it was it was a neat a neat thing. So eventually we got to that point where I was able to rotate it into the, the pit, and I remember I was supposed to fly out. I was supposed to fly out on Saturday before X Games. I remember I'm like, no, I need like I need another day. So I stayed, I missed my flight. I stayed an extra day to practice and then I tried it at my at my house or at my shop. I tried it to snow. And my biggest fear was overshooting it. Cause I'm like, if I overshoot this, I'm gonna explode. Like cause I'm going so high. And I remember I went and we had the landing, we moved the ramp over there, and I'm like, okay, it's time to go for it. And I, I go and I came in a little bit slow and we, we put like, we fluffed the top, maybe two feet of snow. It was real soft. And I tried the first one and I remember I was coming around on the second rotation and it seemed like I was like, I wasn't going as high as I should be. And I came around on the second one and I literally saw snow and hit the ground. And I just, I just put the nose right into it in the sled it toppled over on top of me and the sled like it ended up rolling down the side of the landing but I mean needless to say it went you know probably 45 it it probably fell 30 30 35 feet onto its nose so it was you know flattened (laughs) the first little bit of it and then I got up it was super funny because there's like maybe six seven guys there and you know the videos. It's pretty awesome because I, I do the thing, I crash, and I'm like, you know, again, I'm like jacked up on adrenaline. I jump to my feet, and and I'm like, I'm okay. I just got to hit it faster. <laughs> and, and it's just silent. Nobody replies to me. Nobody says anything because I think they were all looking like, I can't believe this guy is alive. Like I just saw him like lawn dart in the sled on top of him. And, he, and, and all I had was a bloody nose. I had a little blood on my nose, and they're all like, like they couldn't believe that I was I was functional, and I'm like I just I just gotta hit it faster. But I know if that sled wouldn't have been like completely demolished, I would have turned right around and went and hit Not it. True, and you know which it would have been cool because I I might have been able to land it then if I would have hit it a little faster. But anyway, sled was wiped out, so I'm like, well we can't do any more. We'll have to just figure it out at X Games. So we
1: figured out we (laughs) threw the
4: ramp on, on a trailer and the sled all piled up. We brought it out there and I called the guys and said, you know, pipes are junk. The front ends, you know, we need to replace the whole front end is what I told them. And so we brought the sled out there and they, they fixed all of it. And, um, you know, and then six days later we tried it on, on TV. And I just remember telling myself, I'm like, I'm not shorting it out there and i definitely right. didn't know
5: so you only hit it to snow one time before that yeah only once only oh, once cuz i mean i remember they mentioned that when uh, you know watched it back in the day and like i remember they mentioned that, that you didn't get a – this was your practice run in a sense at x games yeah. you were
4: i had two so i did have um i did straight air the ramp you know so i i had them set it up and I think the straight air is scarier than flipping. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Just a straight boner air. That's yeah. what we oh. call that. It was crazy. Like, there's. There's, I have one picture, like some grainy old picture and you look at it and you're like, it looks like someone photoshopped me up in the, <laughs> up in the sky because it didn't make sense. The ramp and the landing were like 60 feet apart or something. And I'm like 60 feet up in the air. You're like, that doesn't, it doesn't add up. Does he go as high as he went far? And, you, and that's literally what it was. I was like literally going as high as I went up far. Like, holy cow.
1: Crazy Man. ramp. So if, if the ramp would have been back farther, say eighty feet on the X games, it might have worked. You think you would have landed it? I don't know. it's still
4: it's still such a hard impact. I mean, even you know, later on, a few years later, actually quite a few years later, it was two thousand and seventeen is when Frisbean and um, Colton tried it and Heath under rotated a little bit. He he probably had the best shot of, of landing it, like Colton had really good rotation. He just went a little bit deep. And, like, he was well aware of where he was in the rotation. You can see him, like, spot it and everything. It was just, like, if he would have been moved back 10 feet, he would have rode out of it there, too. Um, But it's just that we we joke about it because there's been, you know, I, I did it in 2000. I rotated in 2009. Justin Hoyer tried it in 2012. And then the 2017 run was Daniel. He did land it in 2017. And then Heath and Colton both tried it at X Games. So there's literally been, you know, five guys that have tried the double backflip on a snowmobile. One guy that rode away from it and everyone else is, you know, left broken or, you know, Justin Hoyer broke his arm and his leg, I think, at X Games. And Heath, like, you know, he like banged up his chest and Colton got really banged up from it. And I, I sprained my ankle, which came all you got pretty out good. pretty good.
1: Yeah. When you were planning on doing it, were you talking to Travis? Cause he, he had been the only one to do it on a dirt bike at that point. Yeah.
4: Yeah. He, he had been doing it on the, he did it on the bike. This is what's super funny. So that same, gosh, was it that same year? Oh, at one point he called me and he's like, Hey, Hey, can you rig up a, A Twist throttle on them snowmobiles, (laughs) and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you can do that. I'm like, I've you know, I've seen other guys do it, yeah, yeah. I need one, I need one, uh, a snowmobile with a twist grip. He's like, I think I'm gonna try a double backflip. And I'm like, Have you been riding? No, no, I I rode one once before, you know. And I'm like, Dude, what are you talking about? Right? (laughs) I watched you do it, (laughs) yeah. I'm like, Oh my goodness, but was that before or after you tried? I honestly, it was either like, it was either that. It was either that fall, like the right before I tried it, or else it was a couple years later. Cause I tried it again in 2012. I was trying and um, it was, it might have been that time too. But he just called me and was like, Yeah, we're going to Utah. We're going snowmobile. And I was going to try a double back foot. He was like that nonchalant. And I'm like, uh, um, okay. He's like, I just need a snowmobile with a twist grip though. I don't know. Like that thumb throttle thing. It weirds me out. It's like quad guys going to a dirt bike <laughs> yeah. and still keeping the quad throttle. Yeah. So, but he, you know, back to the, the Maddo thing, like Travis is like, he's another one of those guys where you're, you're just absolutely blown away because you just, you can't even comprehend the thought process. And I, I just, I just, uh, you know, Jake, um, bang in here a couple of weeks ago. And I was telling him how I went out to Travis's and like, that's where I did my first backflip. I did a backflip on a dirt bike in Utah um, filming with the Nitro Circus guys. And after that, then I went back out to Travis's that next spring and I flipped a four wheeler. And then two weeks later I flipped my snowmobile and I'm doing all this as a racer. I was like a professional racer and like it's frowned upon to do, silly things Real like style, that yeah yeah Be reckless. So, so i i went and i did this i did the back flip in um, that time those two times filming with the nitro service guys i remember thinking i'm like gosh i gotta figure it out these guys like literally they just they think about it, it where it's like okay am i gonna get hurt or am i gonna get injured and if i hurt is like you know a flesh wound stitches you're good to go in a couple weeks injured broken bones it's months that you're out right so it's like but if you're only going to get hurt anything hurt is game on injured if you think you're going to get injured then you like then you really got to start focusing but up till that you can do whatever, right? It so goes I, through
1: the filtration system. Yeah, because
4: yeah. I'm like, I th- honestly think that's what it was. Because I mean, we were doing the slip and bleed, the the big slip and slide he had, and then it was like we were doing a pit bike race, and they they dish soaped all the corners on the asphalt, so it was like
1: slipped <laughs> them all down. Classic. Yeah, you're so, like, why? Yeah, I,
4: like it, I'm like, oh, you know, because I was I was riding mini bikes a lot back then, and I'm like, oh, this is gonna be awesome, and then they come out and they just got. All this dish soap. And I'm like, oh, that's just, that's not a, that's not good. <laughs> and then they, they come out and he's got everybody and their brother, brother has Roman candles and they had mortars and the cannons. So everyone that wasn't racing was shooting fireworks at you while you're racing through this. And then there was like, there's like this, he has like this lean to off the side of his shop or he did back then. And it would just have like four by four posts. And it was like, I don't know, no more than 10 feet wide, I would say. And and that was like, you come rounding a turn into that. So it's like, if you lose the back end, you're going right into a four by four post at like, you know, probably third gear on your 110. I'm like,
6: oh my goodness.
4: There's <laughs> like, it, nothing was like real safe. But I, and like after being there, I just went, I left there going, oh, hurt, not injured. Yeah. You're good. And you, and you can do crazy stuff and you'll be fine within a couple of weeks
1: that's kind of how we look at things that we do it's like risk to reward Mm -hmm. on a much different scale though because we're not athletes we're not talented like you guys are you know (laughs) so it's it's a little different but kind of the same mindset
0: Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy P.com slash easy Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply.
5: So obviously like you were an adrenaline junkie before going over to Travis's, but that's pretty cool to hear you went over there and then you realized, and this is pretty fun. Like yeah. Obviously snowmobile racing is a lot of fun too, but you're like, this is pretty fun being able to do random just anything. Oh, for sure. All the stuff that he pulled out. Yeah. Yeah. It,
1: it, did that like get you hooked on more of the freestyle because did you transition out of racing at that point? Or when did you so, when did you go from a racer to a freestyler? The funny thing is I, I I I did freestyle
4: as like like a hobby is what it was. <laughs> I was a professional racer. So in two thousand seven, the fall of two thousand seven, X Games approached me and they said, Hey, we're coming up with this new event.
6: We're <laughs> down on the Red Bull, man. See, I'm chokes. glad I brought him. <laughs> <laughs> um,
4: so I, I, they said we're gonna come out with this new event called Speed and Style, combination of racing and freestyle. And at that time, keep in mind, I'm, all I did was race and do heel clickers and can cans. So I was no freestyle expert at all. And I went and um, I, they said, "Hey, if you can show you can do freestyle tricks, you can be in this new event." And I said, oh, "Awesome!" So first call was um, Red Bull where do I get a ramp? Like, cause they're, it's not like you go on Amazon and go, I need a 10 foot tall yeah. snowmobile kicker ramp. And I had no idea. So they're like, Oh no, we'll get one. We'll have one sent out. So they had a new one built for me. And in the meantime, I built a landing with my skid steer and I started practicing in, um, it was like October. And you know, I just started doing this kind of like, it wasn't behind, the race director at Polaris is back, but I told him, I said, Hey, like, I'd like to try this freestyle thing or speed and style. I need to learn some tricks. And he goes, okay. He's like, you can do it. He gave me his blessing as long as I didn't do a backflip. And like the whole time I'm like, I've I already had like a, I already had a trip planned to Justin Hoyer's house to learn how to do the flip. And I did it. I already done a flip the year before in Alaska and I'm like, oh, yeah, no, 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 back flips. no
5: backflips.
1: No backflips. Levi <laughs> sneaking around.
4: Yeah, no back I totally. Flip.
1: You hear Levi's
6: been backflipping? Yeah.
5: <laughs> <laughs> if I catch you backflipping again, you're done. It's exactly
4: what it was. I, I literally felt like, you know, like after I finally went for it, I remember it was a Sunday. It was my first backflip off the ramp. And on Friday, the Friday before that, the race director called me, left me a voicemail, and he says, Levi, this is Tom.
3: Heard a dirty rumor. <laughs> <laughs> you
4: better call me.
3: <laughs> and then you sent him a video on Sunday. Like, Just did it. So I call him
4: back, and I'm like, I feel like I feel like a like a kid that got busted with dad's playboys or something. And, so <laughs> and he's like, So what are you doing? And I'm like, Well, I think to, you know to to meddle in this, I think I'm going to need to be able to do a backflip. And he goes, Absolutely not. And I'm like, No, no, no. no like I I think I can do it. And he goes, he paused, and he goes, do you know how much trouble you, me, and Tim Bender are going to get in our crew chief at the time? I'm like, I know, I know. I know, but I I really think I can. And he paused again, and he's like, if you have any doubt, any doubt whatsoever, don't do it. And, you know, I mean, you can imagine what it's like doing your first backflip on a snowmobile. You're you're filled with doubt. You're like... (laughs) You think about everything that could go wrong. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I got it. I got it. I think it's going to go good. So then Sunday we did our first one, and then it was Sunday I did one. Wednesday or two, no, Monday I did three, and then Tuesday I did five. And then I went to the freestyle qualifier and won the freestyle qualifier and then went to X Games, and we won freestyle and speed and style um, and male athlete, the X Games, all as, like, my hobby for freestyle because I was like a professional racer like I won I got like sec- I was the top finishing Polaris you know it's tough to beat Tucker back in those <laughs> days so I I got second at Duluth and and you know I was like trying you know for Tom the race director he's like you know this is this is our guy he's going fast you yeah, know it was and pretty then, good second was good yeah, yeah and yeah. then and so then I go off back flipping and whatnot and so anyway I ended up winning that but in all the years I did freestyle I would always go. I would practice up until X games, do X games and then I went do it again and in all of them. The only time I went beyond that was I did one I've done one freestyle show in Canada in 2005 or 15 I'm sorry that I did but outside of that I've never
1: done a, a freestyle show. really just X games just X games. why, why is it, why X why is X games like the uh, the grand stage like the biggest event?
4: Well, I mean, it just it just reaches so many people. You know, it's like being asked to go to the Olympics in snowmobiling, and it's an honor to to be able to go there and showcase your skills and yeah. be a part of that. I mean, X Games, it's it's so gnarly because you go there, and, like, I've watched Heath Frisbee doing the front flip and Justin Hoyer doing the double backflip and crashing. I mean, like, you go out there with the m- mentality, like, I'm going for it or, you know. I mean I go home but I'm I'm going big until that moment.
5: Man that is cool. That's definitely how X Games has always looked like to us. It's like that's the one place where people go to throw down. Yeah. And like it's cool to see there's more dirt biking shows now or like you know there's the X-Fighters and and there's Nitro World Games and all right. that, but there's not a ton for sled, so I could see why entering or going into a, a kind of a random freestyle show might not be worth it.
4: Yeah. X Games was always the big one for for all the riders, and you know that was the other thing. A lot of the sponsors would, most of the rider sponsors would key in on that one event. They're like, you know, you you have to do X schemes. Outside of that, it is what it is. But you know, for me, I was just, I, I always fed off of the the energy. You know, I mean, I, I I every time that I would get out there, you drive up to Buttermilk Mountain and you see it, and then the whole venue is just everything is so perfect. It's like, it's like a dream looking at all the features and stuff. And I, I would, as I would drive up, I would get goosebumps every year. And I'm like, dude, this is so awesome. And then just go out there and you know, the people are, they're all jacked. You throw down, they're like, you know, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool.
5: Is that how you, were you, were you pretty proud of Daniel Bodine when he landed that double back? Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. Like there's Daniel's no hate so there. Rad.
4: He's so rad. So the history of Daniel was in 2011, the year I crashed distance jumping, um, you know, for the, we had the race team that we had started to the year before I believe it was. And, um, we needed a freestyle rider. So I asked Daniel, I said, do you want to ride my sled? And he said, "Yeah." So it was really cool because up to that point, Daniel had finished fourth place at X Games four years in a row. The first four years, he got fourth, and then he came and he rode uh, rode for the team, and he came and trained at the compound, and you know we had him in the foam pit and stuff, and and it, it was pretty cool because my my dad my dad's pretty funny, but I got a, I had a group of guys I had um three buddies and then my dad that kind of did the foam pit operation dad would run the crane one guy would video one was kind of the guy that over oversaw it all and then one guy was the pit guy who was like if a sled landed on you or something he would hook the the winch or the strap up to the sled to get it off of you so he was the kind of hands on deck guy so anyway those guys were all there and they'd been used to working with me and I, you know i just go out there and go until I figure it out or until it's like, gosh, I just, I need to take a breather to figure out why this isn't working. So we, we put in a lot of jumps, just repetition. Daniel got there and he jumped in the pit and he did, he jumped like six times. And then, you know, that was when I was wounded. So I'm sitting in a chair, you know, like inside, like just sitting there and I can hear the snowmobile run. Then I hear the snowmobile stop. And then, you know, it hadn't been a half hour. Since I talked to him, he was in there talking to me, and he comes back in in his street clothes. Uh, I am all done for the day. And I went, well, for the, for the day, did you even jump? Yeah, I jumped a few times. I, I, I kind of <laughs> tweaked my back. I'm like, oh, okay. So he did that. Then the next day, he, he did something similar, and my dad just laid into him. He said, what do you mean you're done? It took us 40 minutes to get set up, and now you're going to jump three times and be done? You get out there and keep jumping. And Daniel's like, like, uh, and Daniel's a big guy, too. You know, my dad's, like, five and a half foot tall, looks like Santa Claus. And he's, like, yelling at Daniel. Daniel's, like, could crush him, right? And Daniel's like, okay, I jump more. So he kept jumping, and uh, it was awesome because, like, in that process, like over the next couple of weeks, he just started jumping and jumping. And, and, like, by the end he was like figuring out, he was the first one to do double grab, double seat, grab backflips on snowmobile. And he learned like, first he was doing the, the, you know heart attack one then he learned how to do a double grab and in that process of learning that like he was like slamming into the dash and he's got like a bloody nose and you know he just looks like like a warrior you know and and it was cool and my dad takes a lot of pride in in daniel for that because he was like
3: i made him into a man that week (laughs)
1: where's where is is he from
5: he's from sweden Sweden. dude the swedes yeah crazy yeah Yeah. that's So. so sweet man yeah, that's cool. So you, in a sense, your dad and you got to mentor him a little bit. Yeah, he
4: he's super cool. What was awesome about it? So so back to the thing. He, he four he got fourth place four years in a row at X Games, and then he came in and rode for a team, and he won two gold medals that year. One freestyle and best trick, and and you know so we all like we're like that was pretty awesome. And then from that point forward, he was like a machine. He just he, he won multiple freestyle and and best tricks and. You know, he'd really, it was like the light switch was flipped. All because your dad out. yelled at him. Yeah.
1: Because Santa, <laughs> Santa Claus yelled at him.
6: Because Santa Claus yelled <laughs> at
1: him. So, um, not only have you done all the racing and the freestyle and all, all the things like that, but the Red Bull projects, like the filming projects that you've done, I think are some of the things that have gone the most viral with you, right? Yep. Um, what comes to mind is like the urban snowmobiling. When you, when you close, what it looked like you closed down. Minneapolis and just rode your snowmobile yeah. jumped it over cop cars and down the streets like tell me a little bit about that first off how did you do that like how would you get the okay to do that Red Bull's pretty <laughs> uh pretty incredible company so they uh you know I
4: I pitched him on that idea I said hey you know like Ken Block he'd been doing all kinds of cool things to Jim Connors and whatnot and I'm like we could do something like that but I can be like jumping on and off buildings and You know, I could do a lot of things, and we could do it in the winter and whatnot. So they're like, yeah, it's a great idea. And then they came to me, and they said, hey, you know, because I I originally, I I pitched them on doing it in Duluth simply because it's all set on that hillside. And I'm like, you could be jumping down the road, and you could be doing all kinds of stuff. And they came back, and they said, hey, what do you think about St. Paul? Yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome. Sure. Anybody that would want that would let us. I'd be into. So we went down and we started scouting St. Paul, and how those projects work is you go there and you scout like the area and you go, you know, what what's the wish list? Like what would be the coolest things you could do? And you drive around and you're like, oh, hey, I think I could I could jump that or I could do this or whatever. And you write that down and then what? they would do is they would go and find all of like first you have to get buy in from the city the city is like yep if they're into it it makes it way easier then because it gives the, them good publicity or why yeah why are they I mean it draws it. a lot of attention to the okay. city yep okay so and it you know it makes it kind of cool too you're like hey like you know wherever you do it you know they think it's they, they think it's cool um most times yeah you know they're like pumped to have something like that happen right on yep so anyway so we we go and get the wish list city signs off then you got to get all the property owners like you know this is what we're doing can we do this what will it take to do this and then you kind of whittle down the wish list to like all right these people will let us these ones will not you know and and then you continue on i think one of the fun ones was or funny ones was the they forklifted me up onto that building. It was like the city hall or or courthouse or something, in in St. Paul. And I remember they had to rent or they had to rent the meters, all the parking meters on the whole block <laughs> all day long. So it was like from morning until night. That was like the trade-off to allow us to do it. Yeah. Was we had to have all of the parking meters. And the funny one was so when they lifted me up on there. They had to block off the intersection, so it was like a rolling closure. So they block all the streets off, and they had to block the crosswalk off as well because they come ripping across. And the uh, I I didn't I didn't see it firsthand, but the guy told me that there was a police officer that was like blocking the pedestrians. He was blocking him, and this guy like comes in, in like a suit, and he's like he's like man I I gotta go I got a meeting I gotta get to a meeting and he's like sir you can't cross through the intersection right now and he's like i I gotta i gotta go man i'm gonna miss this meeting and he's like sir there's a snowmobile that's going to be ripping through here momentarily you cannot go by and he's like oh you know this guy's all kind of worked up so then i I jump off the building and then i go blazing across the intersection and the guy like looks at the at the cop and he goes is he gonna do that again and he's like like he was gonna stick around to watch again i'm like what happened to the meeting
6: <laughs>
4: yeah it was pretty funny but it was fun it was a cool event or cool project you know you're essentially every you know we talked about it earlier downstairs we were we were talking about how um you know you're constantly looking in the ditch like oh i could jump from there and this hill you could jump to this and that's what it was like growing up you're like looking at the city and I always thought about the BMX and skateboarders, how they look at a city like this huge playground. Yeah. And But it, for anyone, motorsports, it's kind of off limits. And I was like, gosh, wouldn't that be something to be able to rip a city up and use it as your playground?
1: You got to get to a certain
4: level and well, yeah. then they allow it. Especially yeah. on a snowmobile, though. Like, it's mm-hmm.
5: one thing, too, to dirt bike in the city, but that I think that made it so appealing. And then so you got to, in a sense, fulfill your goal of doing it in Duluth yeah, just recently. Yep. So that was, that was a such a cool video. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun.
4: It was cool. I mean, Duluth is a special place simply because that's where we raced for so many years. And, you know, to be able to, I mean, I've been through Duluth so many times. It's yeah. like, it was neat to be able to do that. It didn't all go to plan. I ended up taking a yeah, yeah, dip.
5: What's up, guys? This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals, such as loss of a loved one or a bad breakup? BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is also available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in on an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a better, happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit BetterHelp.com WideOpen. That's Better H-E-L-P. And join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. Special offer for the Life Wide Open listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com WideOpen.
1: So this holiday season, the best deal in wireless can only be found at, you guessed it, Mint Mobile. Right now, when you switch to Mint Mobile and buy any three-month plan, you can get another three months completely free. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save tons by doing so with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. I've been using Mint Mobile long before this holiday deal, and I have to say it's the perfect time for you to switch. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. With Mint Mobile, choose the amount of monthly data that's right for you and stop paying for data that you're never going to use. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. So switch to Mint Mobile today and get premium wireless service starting at just $15 a month. And for a limited time, buy any three-month Mint Mobile plan and get three months completely free by going to mintmobile.com that's mintmobile.com slash wide Cut your wireless bill to $15 a month at
3: mintmobile.com slash wide It's never too early to start shopping for the holidays, and Raycon has you covered with a gift that whoever you're shopping for will use every day. My Raycon wireless earbuds are perfect for using at the gym, mowing the lawn, or listening to podcasts. Raycon earbuds have seamless Bluetooth pairing, a comfortable noise-isolating fit, and a battery that lasts over 8 hours on a single charge, 32 hours if you include the case. The audio quality is amazing, and Raycon earbuds cost just half the price of other premium brands with more features. The new Everyday Earbuds come with three new sound profiles to make sure whatever you're listening to sounds its best. Pure mode is perfect for podcasts, instrumental music, or those who want to maximize sound with minimal bass. Bounce mode is perfect for rock, metal, or pop music. It still has a nice punch, but still provides crisp sound. Bass mode is ideal for EDM or hip hop and if you really want to experience the crisp bass that Raycon has to offer. But the Everyday Earbuds aren't just for music. They have a built-in mic and you can easily take calls with the push of a single button. This holiday season, pick up a pair of Raycon Everyday Earbuds for yourself or for someone else. It's the perfect gift for your friend who's always on the go. Go to buyraycon.com slash wide open today to unlock exclusive deals up to 20% off your entire Raycon order. But hurry, this offer is available for a limited time only and you don't want to miss it. That's buyraycon.com slash wide open to unlock 20% off your Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash wide open.
1: Well, here's, here's my, as doing <laughs> a little bit of research on until... you, um, you know, doing my due diligence before you came in here. Yeah. <laughs> here's my favorite news article that I came across. Duluth Fire Department rescues stunt <laughs> snowmobiler. <laughs> Levi LaValle was retrieved from the water in under a minute. And then you had to pay to read the rest. And I was like, oh, I'll just ask Levi <laughs> about it, and he'll tell me. So, so uh, what? I'd was, imagine it's when you jumped over the canal, right? Yeah, when we jump in from barge to barge. So <clears throat>
4: the idea was, was okay, well, I'll jump off. There's an old train bridge that they had from years ago. It's this old wood one. And it's there's like maybe a quarter of it's still there and it's you know they use it as you know I think people can walk on it and stuff and whatever so anyway it's like partially there then it's what was it 800 feet or a thousand feet of water to the other shore and the idea was it's like okay I'll jump off the bridge from barge to barge and like skip my way across over to land and when I you know the idea was like oh that's super easy you just jump 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 you're over to the other side the thing we didn't take into consideration is there's a bunch of current right there because it's the St Lawrence River or something and and there's current there and the barges are held by the what well, they call them spuds so it's just like it's like imagine these oversized pencils that you just you just stick in the ground that are like 40 foot long you know and it, I think the water was like 40 feet deep there so they like stick those in there so 40 feet, and it's real crude. It's like a piece of square tubing with a, you know, maybe like 10-inch tube that's in that tubing. So there's a lot of slop, and it's... It's
3: not ex- exactly it's not exact.
4: exact. Yeah, and it's not like you're strapped or anything. So first thing was like to try to get these barges all lined up. So I had it all lined up like, all right, I'm going to do a... It'll be a 45-foot jump off of the off of the bridge. The next jump is going to be, um, the, ne- what was the the second jump was the bigger one. So the second jump was going to be a 110 foot jump. And then I was going to have a setup jump in case that one I got squirrely on. I was going to have this like setup 55, which turned into 65 footer. And then it was going to be like another 100 plus one to get to the other side. So I do my 45 footer and I knuckled it just slightly. And the issue was, is when they're setting those barges, they set the second barge 10 foot or 20, what was it? It was, it was 20 feet shorter than what I had originally been shooting for. So it was supposed to be a 110 foot jump and it was a 90 foot jump instead. So I'd been practicing for a month at 110 and I'm like, yeah, you know, we we're running out a light. You guys know with video and photo, it's like, oh, i got to get the light, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, oh. All right, so they're like, you think you're making it? I'm like, yeah, I'll figure it out. So I, I jump off, and my buddy that's been with me through all this, he's like, I should have stepped in because we know that you, <laughs> we should have just did it right. And I'm like, well, I, I thought I could make it up. So anyway, I go for the jump, and I because I, I slightly knuckled the first one, I just went into auto, and I hit the next one, um, you know, for the normal 110 foot one that had been practicing. So I overshot the landing because it was 20 foot further or closer to me than normal. So I completely flat landed onto this middle barge. barge. And I, I was riding, it was a 2018 um, 128. I, I kept all the, a couple of these old race sleds because I like the, the 128 because it was shorter. So I, I had this old carbureted one. And when it landed, the uh, the the slide in the carb and the carbs, they bounce when you land that hard. So it bounces the slides up, which pushes the throttle cable backwards. So it acts as though it's like pinning the throttle, but you're not. The throttle is just sitting in a normal spot. Yeah. So what it does is it pushes the throttle cable out away from it, and then when it comes back in, it unhooks the throttle cable oh! from the thumb throttle. Yeah, yeah. So how, and it's done it like in snowcross. We we know this. Yeah. And what you do is you silicone there so the throttle cable doesn't fall off. So I had two two sleds. That one didn't, <laughs> didn't have. have the oh, no. So I land unhooks the throttle. And, you know, and I land, I mean, I landed hard and I like was drifting left. I mean, I landed like four feet from the wall of the barge. I mean, it was like sketchy as is. So I overshoot it. I land, I like bounce my face and I I pop up and I look and I'm like, okay, I just got this little skipper jump. You're like, that'll be fine. You're fine. So I like go and I I grab a handful and it just goes right to the bar and I'm like, oh, and there's nothing. (laughs) I'm like, oh, man. So I go from, like, all right, you got this wide open go to, oh, no, no, no. You got no throttle. Break, 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 break. So in that, like, split second of, like, okay, throttle doesn't work. You need to abort. What's your your abort plan? It's like, okay, I remember, like, I'm like, okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to hit the brake. I'm going to slide it sideways, pitch the sled, and then I'm going to slide, and the ramp is going to catch me, and I'll stay on the barge. That (laughs) was the idea Mm -hmm. by the time. You know, it went from the thought of the what the plan is to execution. I was already at the ramp, <laughs> so I, I jump off the sled right into the ramp. And I hit the ramp and it flips me. It flips me off the end of the barge, and the barge it was ten feet down to the water below, and that was all full of ice chunks. So Ouch. I landed on an ice chunk, which broke some ribs and and <sighs> I got a hip pointer and sprained my wrist. And knocked the wind out of myself. So i land in the, the chunk of ice I landed on tilted. So then I, I landed on that. So the ice broke my fall and my ribs. <laughs> and I slid into the water so I was able to get wet. So I slid in, got my helmet. You know, I was fully under. So I got water in my helmet, in my gear. I climb onto an iceberg, this little <laughs> ice chunk. And I'm sitting on there. It would, you know, knock the wind out of me. So I'm mooing and stuff.
6: <laughs> oh, yeah. oh.
4: And this guy comes running over to me and he, he throws me a, the little pool circle, yeah. you know, like they do at the <laughs> oh, pool. Yeah. He yep. throws that out towards me from the barge. It's like the 10 foot tall steel <laughs> barge. And I'm like. What, what do you, you want me to wade, like float back to land or what, you know? And then the, the coast guard came ripping around and they, they had this boat and I just climbed in that. And I, they, I remember them right away. We, you know, ride her down in the water, snowmobile, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I told them, I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know? Cause they're, they're telling like the whole thing. Anyone yeah. with a scanner. Yeah. Here's this. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm fine. Don't tell, Don't tell anybody. Yeah.
1: Dude, going into it too, all the like city council people are like, you oh, know, no, like talking no. behind the scenes like, I don't know if we want a snowmobile or like jumping on our city <laughs> streets and you're, Levi's over here like, dude, it's going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> and then you go and do that. They're like, I told you. Yeah. That's
3: exactly how it is too. So, so that it, snowmobile. Yeah. You get that one back? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. 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 So wow. did
5: it go what, to the bottom?
4: Yeah, it went 40 feet. 40 feet. Yeah, 40 feet. Yeah, 40 feet. And they hooked it. What was awesome is, so it's. It's kind of like it it hasn't been brought up in the video, I don't think, is going to be shown or anything. But this is, like, this is the thing that was really cool about it was the snowmobile goes to the bottom, and it it landed, like, it landed down there. It must have landed on the skis and everything. So it's on the bottom of the lake, and they literally had a, they had a, like, a makeshift hook they made that it was, like, literally, like, this weighted end with, with, um rebar that they like put in like a curve on it you know it's kind of like Like a fish hook so they they have this fish hook and they just started dropping her down there and all of a sudden they're like oh they they're like oh we must have snagged something else and they pull it up from the ski tip what so they pull it up like a like a you know you got the big fish you know in the ocean it's like a snowmobile hooked like this dude and that's like, how
1: you guys should have started oh, the video of you fishing funny. like oh, i got one i yeah. got one they to oh. reel up a snowmobile <laughs> it was, oh
4: it was so good it's so good so i i told uh brooke was the gentleman's name from renworks who did the barges and stuff and i said brooke if you get it i want pictures of it coming out of the water and like up in the air because I, like, you know, I want to have that at my house, you know. So, he got him. He's got it, like, coming out of the water like it's a big fish. And, and then I asked him, I said, can I have that hook? So, he gave me the hook. I've got the hook and the rope and then that snowmobile. And I want to I wanna hang it on display like a big fish. Yes. This is
5: what I want to do. That's so great. Obviously, it's sinking to the bottom and stuff. I get why you wouldn't include it. But also, like, for continuity reasons, the whole video – Looks a lot more flawless without the without the mishap. So
4: it, it's funny you, you say that because you can see we shot it on Tuesday was when the barges were supposed to happen. So the big jump is in there. So you can see me overshoot it and yeah. land. And then that's where it, like, cuts. And then we went back the last day of shooting, and we pushed the barges together on the, the last one. So I had this, like, where the little setup jump was. We made that, like... A chip shot, like literally. It almost looked like I could have run and jumped across it on foot. But we made this little setup one, and then it was like, you know, a smaller jump to get me to land just to, like, put the video together. But it it was supposed to be, like, the original way it was going to be, like, a big jump to land, but it ended up only being, like, 90 feet or something. But but anyway, they pieced that together, and, you know, I rode from – I took Wednesday off, um, you know, crash was on Tuesday, Wednesday I took off, doctor like worked on me all day to get me so I could function again, and then the following day was, I went back to shooting and I shot um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and it, it would, you know, it was tough because the ribs, ribs are like, they are what they are, but I had like a sprained wrist too, so I couldn't like bend it and hang on that well, and then my hip was, I got a hip pointer, so I, like, not like it was a big deal, but it was just tender, but I couldn't, my, I couldn't lift my leg, you know? I could stand and do squats, but I couldn't lift it out in front of me. So I would, like, to get on my snowmobile, I would grab my leg with my hand under my thigh, and I would, like, I would swing it, like, up onto the running board because I could do a squat, but I just couldn't lift it straight out. So I would just, like, swing my leg up there and get on and then ride from there. Dude, Just, are,
1: are you okay like your body okay <laughs> yeah i mean I, do you I wake up I'm, in pain I'm, the only one that i
4: noticed is my my foot i broke my heel um in 2009 and it my foot's all like crooked and and whatnot so it like rests on the side a lot yeah and it's like funny because we all got like little step counters on our watches and stuff and i'm like it's i've got it down to like from 10,000 to 12,000 steps, my foot will start to hurt. And then anything beyond that, if I stop moving, then I have to warm my foot up to get moving. You know, get a, like uh, if I drive for a while, I'll have to get out and like walk for a little bit and and I like limp. I'll limp for the first little bit and then my foot like, oh, oh it's warm now up. I get it. Yeah, we're walking. I'm in. How so.
1: about uh, your brain or your head?
4: Yeah, I, bu- I bunked it quite a few times. The, I mean, concussions, it's funny because like, I mean, concussions are bad. They're not good at all. But I mean, I've, I've had many, like, I don't know, probably more than 10, you know, which isn't a lot compared to like some guys. But I think the last one I had, I was just dirt biking at my track. I, I got knocked out briefly and that one was Um, you know, I was kind of wet noodle there for a little bit. And when I did the distance jump crash, that was one of the biggest things is I was, I had a a hard time focusing for a while. And, and um, Red Bull set me up with this, this company that did brain training. And essentially what it was, it was kind of like meditating is what it was. So you just sit and focus on one thing, you know, is kind of what the idea was, is you just stay focused on it. And if you're if your mind starts wandering like how what they had was it was like a spaceship going through a tunnel and if you started wandering your mind did the spaceship would stop moving it's but if you were if you were focused the spaceship would just and they would like curve through this thing so i'd just be like i remember i i would skype with this woman online and she was like the trainer and she's like okay and and i had these like all these sensors on my head that I'd have to put like wax on my head. And then they'd put the, I would put these sensors on and then I would sit there and Skype with her. And she's like, okay, we're going to do the spaceship on. I'm like, okay. And I would just stare at the spaceship and I, and you're like, move, move. Right. You're like trying to get this thing to move. Cause it's not like gas and brake, like a remote control. It's like you focusing on something and you're like, just, just freaking move. Right. And it wouldn't move. And then you just got to like, just stare at it and like have no thought (laughs) and then it would take off
5: (laughs) interesting concept yeah it's
4: weird but anyway it it helped yeah i did it for six months and i went from like to give you you know knowing you guys ride bikes and stuff so i went out riding dirt bikes that that spring after the crash months later like five months later and i remember i was going around the track and i hit a um there was like a, a hole right on the inside of this turn. Well, I hit that th- hole and I'd like kind of bounce my face. And I'm like, usually, you know, it's like, all right, don't hit the hole again. Next lap, go out wider. Well, I come around the next lap and it was like I like I forgot that it was there and I hit the hole again. Like, what the heck? And I did that enough where I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm like not, I'm like not thinking, not focusing like I normally do. And it, it kind of like triggered me. It kind of made me nervous. So then I I started doing that brain training and over the course of, you know, a few months of it, I started to, I started to feel back to normal and how they explained it to me is like, your mind is like, you know, when you have a thought and you're trying to do something, when you have a concussion, it's, it's like that thought, it takes the detour to get there. So it's like, takes like a long, long way out and around to get to, you know, point B, we'll say from point A. And, and oftentimes you'll get lost on the detour and you'll never get to point B with your thought. And, you know, so, but when you're focused, you're just A to B right now. So as, you know, as you get your focus, like as I trained more, I started getting to like not forgetting where B was and not getting detoured so far. Does that worry you? I mean, I, I, my kind of philosophy on things is like, yeah, there's definitely concerns with all that. But I always just, I always try to tell myself that, you know, you're, don't, don't think about the negative, think about the positive, try to, try to, you know, do what you can to remedy anything, but don't dwell on any negative. Because I, I, I believe that if you, you know, if you keep thinking that of an issue, you're just inviting it to love attraction. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So I just, I just try not to, uh, I try not to think about that. And you know, I'm aware of it for sure. And like, it's, it's very, um, well known now the impact of concussions and we see it with a lot of pro athletes and, and hear about some of the horrendous things that have happened to him. And, you know, I just am aware of that, and I just am always trying to, like, you know, obviously not get concussions, not trying to do that, but also, like, how can you how can you kind of fix that? And, like, I went through it once with the brain training, and it, it worked wonders for me. And there's other training out there now that you can remedy the the issues that you may have long-term, unknown, but I... um it it something to think about but i'm just going to keep uh keep trying to just stay focused on not
1: hitting my head again yeah. what would you say you're most worried about injuring i don't know like
4: i don't like to i don't like to think about that too much you know because one of the things that, that struck me was it was the the movie Dust to Glory and they have Ricky Johnson, who is a Supercross legend, and he went to off road, and he's doing the voiceover on that show, and they're talking about how like, um, like a truck had hit uh, a spectator, you know, and and I've heard a lot of that at Baja, you know, you're going 100 mile an hour across the desert, you hit a jump, and there's a crowd of people on the other side, and what do you do? So they run into them, and you know, it's it's like they're racing and. They just keep going, right? Yeah. Which is like pretty. It's pretty terrible to say, and and you know, you, it get, it's, gets you start. It gets you thinking about that situation. You're like, holy cow, like that's pretty heavy. You know, you, you I ran into somebody and killed them or whatever. And what Ricky said was, he said, you know, I'm I'm not gonna live my life because of a situation. You know, it's like yes, you obviously don't want it to happen. You don't want to be injured. You don't want to do you know, hurt anyone or do anything like that. But if you like limit yourself from doing it, from racing, from jumping, from having fun, whatever it may be, like what kind of life is that, you know, without fun, you know? And and so as I get, as I've aged, I just always think I'm a lot more, I almost feel like a safety coordinator now Mm -hmm. because I've like gone through so many injuries, so many different things. And you're like, did did you check this? Is Is the ramp, you know, you're always like that. But it's, like, I'm doing it just to make sure, like, we're having fun, but we're doing it in the safest kind of manner. So, you like know, we can...
1: A lot more calculated than... Way more say than Say, you before. used to be yeah. just after all the injuries and...
5: and experience. Experience. Because yeah. yeah. there's no reason not to be. Yeah. You know, you can still have fun and be safe. Yeah. It's and a little it, and more thought out. For sure. That's exactly it. It's,
4: like, if you're going to have... You know, if you're going to start doing risky stuff, it's, like, just do it as think about what you're doing yeah don't don't take the fun out of it but just make sure you're doing it in a safe manner
1: yeah we try and do that especially with our videos a lot of people come up to us and they're like you mostly like people that don't watch the channel but or just hear about us and they're like you guys are just so reckless how are you not hurt or like what's the worst injury that you've had and we're always like you know it, it comes off like we are reckless on the videos, which is, you know, the entertaining aspect of it. But what you don't see is, is behind the scenes of like, all right, okay, when we're doing this, just do that. So this doesn't happen. And then, you know, just trying to take like safety precautions, but obviously it's not to the extent or like level of, of things that could go wrong. Um, when you're doing the world record jump like that Mm -hmm. or, or like crazy backflips, but yeah, I mean, it's really interesting to hear because, you know, we get asked that so often. I mean, my, my parents are, extremely like health oriented and, and they're chiropractors. So yeah. they uh they're like, you know, Ben, you have to live in this body for the rest of your life. Uh take care of it now, you know? And I I'm trying to stay conscious of that and yeah. and take care of myself for that. But I'm always very intrigued and interested to hear kind of the philosophy of what you know people like yourself or Travis Pastrana who, you know, do such extreme stunts and then their bodies pay the price so if it doesn't go correctly and um yeah just like there's the shape that you're in but you seem do you work
4: out yeah I mean not near as much as the old days you know that I think that's probably one of the biggest elements to um like being able to achieve the things we did was I was I was always in I always worked out a lot I always did a lot of a lot of weightlifting I was always kind of a little bit stockier we'll say as far as muscle wise um and i think one of my favorite quotes was travis pastrana after filming with him a little bit he's like he's like dude you're like perfect you're like a little bowling ball you just you crash and you just roll and get up he's like when i crash it's like arms and legs are flailing and stuff's (laughs) breaking and and i kind of laughed at that but um you know that's probably been one of the the best things is uh, as i you know when i started lifting weights and stuff i was i i just felt a little bit more tough, which maybe, maybe as a result of why I ended up doing the things I did, because I was like, Oh, I'm like, I'm tough, I can handle whatever. But I, at the same time, I think it it prevented a lot of injuries, because I was able to like, you know, essentially hold my body together yeah. with that. And so fitness has always been a has always been an element that I've, I've, you know, thought that has helped me throughout my career. And even, even longevity wise, as we get into, uh, you know, after I'm done competing and all that, I think that's going to be the thing that's going to help, um, help maybe limit the aches and pains and the, the issues that most would assume you would have.
1: There's something to be said about knowing how to crash too, (laughs) or like knowing how to take a take a fall. You know, some people are just so uncoordinated and when they hit, they hit hard Yeah. or when you hit the ground, you can roll out of it or so. So would you ever take on a different style of racing?
4: I I messed around a little bit with four wheel, like I did some razor stuff and it was fun. You know, the, the funny thing was, is when I, when I was doing the razor stuff, like I I really enjoyed it, but I I, I had a practice track at my shop and I like ripped around on it. I'm like, this is pretty cool. But it was like, you know, four laps. Cool. You know? And then you're like, it's not like it, it like, wasn't, I, I, it wasn't like, like riding my dirt bike. I can just go out there and you're like, I mean, you just want to hit that rut, you know, like, Oh, I hit that. I I did a whole lap and I hit all the ruts. Perfect. You know? And it's like, it it motivates you. It's kind of like golf, you know, like you have that one good round or one good hole. And you're like, Oh, I'm going to crush this next one. And then you just completely fall on your face and you're like, (sighs) <sighs> oh, and then you you mess up the next one but you have like a good putt and you're like you're back in the game again and like when I was doing the the razor stuff on the track it was like hard for me to like like it wasn't like I'm like oh I railed that rut or I did that jump and I whipped it you know there wasn't as much stimulation there's,
5: there's not as much body input yeah you, know, I, you can't control a razor in the air it's yeah like every time I, I think maybe that's
4: what it was and, and so the thing that I ended up having to do with just that alone, as far as running laps on a track is I had to have a timer. Once I had the timer in there and I I knew like I had a, a timer that would blink at me if I was within a second or half second or something, it would blink green saying, Hey, you're, you got a consistent lap. So that was like my driving force was like, if I didn't have that, I could go about four or five laps. And I was like, was it, 20 minutes yet you know or whatever I was trying to achieve and when I had the timer I could go lap after lap after lap just to see if I could like oh can I string together 10 laps that are consistent or whatever it is and then it would flash red if you had like the fast lap so you're always like looking Looking for for the the red red.
3: yeah Yeah, so what gives you something to work for instead of just driving around because sometimes driving side by sides can feel that way feels like even if you're jumping and stuff, it feels like you're just driving around. But when you're on a sled or a dirt bike and you're moving it in the air, you feel like you're not sitting, just hanging out.
5: Right. (laughs) Which I feel like is the reason a lot of people do ride side by sides and stuff is because it's safe. It's something that maybe someone that was previously injured can get into, get back into racing, which is cool. But so, I mean, speaking of like, I guess racing, I'm, I'm super curious as what your like involvement is with the race team are you, you know, obviously you move from being a racer to now being kind of the face of the team yeah. in a sense. Yeah. The race team, it, it, you know, it was funny
4: because the race team, when I was a racer, I remember the dream was like, I'm like, I want to, I want to own a race team. And that'll be something that can keep me involved in the sport after I'm done racing. And, you know, so I, so my partner, Glenn, our crew chief, I said, Glenn, We should start a race team. I actually, (laughs) I actually approached him about doing that when I was, um, I, it was in 2000. What was, I I was pro for three years. And I said, Glenn, we should start a race team. And he's like, no, no, I don't think we should, (laughs) you know? And, And I'm like, no, it'll be cool. And thank God we didn't because I was like way too young and way not ready for it. So then, three years later, we like did really well. It was the year after we won the snowcross championship, and we rotated the double backflip. And I said we should start the team. And Glenn's like, "Okay, let's do it." So, so we figured it out, it, which I was super grateful because Glenn he's a he's a, a businessman. He has a, a great um, rock crushing business and whatnot. So he kind of knew like the business, like uh, knew a little bit more to help guide me. So I got a lot of mentorship from him, which is great because our first year, you know, I, I was defending uh, pro champion and I went to the first race at Duluth, you know, cool guy with his own Reese team. And I go to sign in and they're like, they look at the sheet and I'm like, oh, hey, how you guys doing? You know, and I wheel up and they're like, all right, let's get you signed in. And they're looking they're like, well, we don't have your name on the list. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, they're like, well, did you sign up? I'm like, no, <laughs>
1: like, I you didn't know I was coming. Yeah, like, i like, somebody's
4: got to defend the title. <laughs> so, so, uh, you know, that obviously when you when you run the team, you got to sign up the riders for the race. <laughs> well, I did, somebody did that for me in the past, so. I, I, didn't, I wasn't signed up for the first race to defend my championship. And, you know, fortunately they're like, well, we can write you in. Right. So they write me in, but that was like, that was a, a big thing. So in those first few years, um, you know, it was essentially, well, there was two parts. So I, I wasn't signed up for the first race and I made it like until the first of the year. And I told my wife who she was a graphic designer and I told her, I'm like, you have to come work for me because I, I didn't even sign up for a race and like I you know I'm booking hotel rooms for the team and everybody's like coming to me like you got to do this and I'm like I got to go ride I got to go practice I got to yeah. you know I got to train so anyway that's how my wife ended up started working for us
5: How many years did you race while owning the team
4: Uh 2010 through 14 Okay, okay. but I was hurt like I was hurt in 11 and 12 and
6: 13. <laughs> so,
4: so I made it, I made it through two seasons as a team owner slash racer the first year I made it, but I had a, a broken, well, that was the year I broke my heel and my foot was all wonky. So I, they, the race director told me with two races to go, he's like, just take, go get your foot fixed and we'll shoot for next year. And once he told me that, this is what's, like, I learned a big lesson there. So he told me that because I was, like, you know, throwing throwing a pity party for myself. Like, oh, my bad foot and I can't walk. And, you know, which it was bad. Don't get me wrong. Like, I would tape the thing solid every time because I couldn't move. Like, I, I couldn't do a calf raise with it. I couldn't lift my heel off the ground. So I would just tape the thing solid and put it in my boot and race with that. And it, it wasn't ideal by any means. But, uh, you know, I was you know, three quarters of the way into the season. I'm like whining about it. And the race director is fine. Like, just get your foot fixed and take the last two races. Just get it done. We'll shoot for next year. So he says that to me on the morning of the second day of racing at a race weekend. So then I looked at it like, all right, what do I have to lose? Like if I completely destroy it, like they're, they're I'm going in to have it fixed anyway. So just go all out, right? So I went I went right, out right. there, ripped the whole shot. I'm out in the lead, and I ended up finishing second in that race. Nice. And then I I, ended, I was, like, in second in points then. So I'm like, well, I guess we'll try the next one, right? <laughs> so I go to the next one. I get third at the next one. And and so I ended up finishing out the season. But the lesson learned there was, like, you know, stop, stop with the pity party and just go out and do it and just do it, you know, as though – not as though you have nothing to lose, but go 100% at it, where I was probably giving it 85% with my pity party. So once I went all, all in, in. Wide open. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Did you want to turn from racer to more personality after you were done? Because you've done such a great job of, not all athletes can talk to the camera or sit down in a podcast and, and uh, tell stories. And, and you've done a really good job at, incorporating your personality into being levi la valley not just an athlete but you know go go to levi afterwards and he'll always be able to give a good race recap or something like that so did you want to do that when you were done you were like hey i'm pretty good at this <laughs> i you know i
4: don't think i ever thought of it in that manner um you know the big one for me was just like it, i had a, a really good um I don't know, maybe mentor will say was Jerry Bernardo. I went and lived with Jerry Bernardo. So back in the day he was an ESPN X games announcer and he used to, he used to be the on air guy for the snow cross races is how I was uh, originally met him and, you know, became friends with him. And he said, Hey, come out, ride dirt bikes with me out in California and you know, for a week. So I went out there during the summer rode dirt bikes. And he's like, here, I gotta, I gotta introduce you to my buddy. Who's a trainer. And so he introduced me to this cage fighter and had a, had a gym. And this guy is like, you should come out. I'm like, all right, I'll come tomorrow. And I go there and, you know, at that point I was my first year pro and I, I was willing to do anything to, to get better. And he's like, oh, I'm going to put this guy in his place. So he had me thrown up by (laughs) midway through the workout, like hammered me. So then I, Jerry's like, you should move out and, Train with this guy all winter or this this fall. I'm like, yeah, if that'll get me where I can compete with Blair Morgan and Tucker Hibbert, I'll do it. You know, like so, I move to California and I, I uh, his name was Wildman, the trainer, and he just beat me into submission for two months, three months, or whatever it was that fall. And in that time, living with Jerry, he is like a character and a half. This guy is so funny. So I learned a lot, you know without, I unofficially was taught, not taught, but like learned from seeing him. And, you know, that helped me a lot with on camera and talking and things like that. And then after, you know, to your point, like, did I want to do that after the fact? It's like, I don't know. I mean, like, I've always been okay with being on camera and talking and whatnot. So I've never, I've never shied away from it, but I've never like took it seriously where I'm like, Want to do it. I mean, more so for me, I just think, um you know, I've been able to experience a lot of things. Like, you guys are in that same boat where you're able to experience all these different things. And what's interesting at this point is like, people are like, tell me about how do I do this? How do you know, especially now with the snowmobiles, it's like, what do you tell me about this sled versus that sled? You know, where I'm fortunate to be able to have, you know, multiple different ones and I can tell them, well, this one is right for you. This one, steer clear of it, you know, if you ride this way in that condition. So it's been really fun being able to help people kind of see you, or help people from the experiences I've had. And, and I think that's, that's something in, in your guys' future, you guys have been able to experience so many things in such a short time. Like, I think you'd be groomed for
1: that in the future. Like, if nothing else show people how to have fun. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) I was actually going to ask you that. So we get asked all the time, what are you going to do after YouTube? Or what are you going to do if YouTube doesn't work out? Were you growing up in a small town, often asked that by people like, Hey, what are you going to do if racing doesn't work out?
4: (laughs) All the time. Like everyone, everyone asks you that because you know, at the time you, you don't, you don't realize it as it's happening. You know, you start like, especially the racers and stuff that are coming up. It's like, you, all of a sudden you're like, holy cow, I'm like making money, you know, and I'm racing and making money and you're making pretty good money or whatever. Um, you got to have, you know, you just, it's almost good that they tell you that, but at the same time you can't allow it to, uh, I don't want to say disrupt your focus, but you, you can't let it eat at you because people will, will always say like, oh, you can't make that a living. You can't, They they always are telling you, you can't do it. And it's like, that's the beauty is like when you get the mentality, like, watch me, like, Mm. like I'm going to figure out how to do it. Then you, you just make it happen. And I think like with you guys, I'm going to guess that you guys are going to continue to evolve as time goes on and it'll just, it'll keep going. You guys will be able to branch into so many different things and do so many, so many things based off of just this. And this could continue on for, you know, as long as you want it to, you know. But I, I, I always think like people that haven't gone down that road, they don't, they can't comprehend it. They think it's just like a dead end. Yeah, they think it's a dead end, and, and rightfully so. With like racing, and I don't want to say it's a dead end, but you definitely you can't race
1: right. There's a shelf life for it.
4: Yeah, very yep. much. So you know you have to have like kind of that transition plan. And in my original one was the race team. And then that's, you know, that's just been one layer of what we do now. But it's, I think that's what's, it's fun is that's part of the, part of the whole element is the creativity of trying to figure out what is next. And that uncertainty is like, you know, some, you got to have a little bit of that just to like keep pushing you. I
1: think, I think the ones that are crazy enough to get any sort of success early on are probably crazy and creative enough to to keep going, continue on yeah,
5: for sure.
1: So something we often say is uh, when we're talking about a buddy, that's from like a small town or we're driving (laughs) through a small town. We'll be like, Oh yeah, John. Yeah. John built that town. Oh yeah. The town that John. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, The town that John (laughs) built. So we found a picture of actually the, your home billboard yeah, (laughs) and you're plastered all over it. So you quite literally, I would say built or put on Longville put Longville on the map. Well, I, I don't know about that but <laughs> I think it's a town of 170 people and I think a lot of people listening probably know where Longville is just because of <laughs> Levi mm. Valley. So my I I always
4: say I'm my my dad's dog, he's got a statue in town. So I don't have any statue so I'm uh, claiming <laughs> Bruno the dog, he might have me beat there.
3: We so, got to get you a statue. Yeah.
1: Our our uh, mm-hmm. mayor used to be a dog. Cormorant mayor used to be a dog. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So when people are like, man, you guys put Cormoran on the map, we're like, we actually didn't. Our dog (laughs) did. Because our dog was on like Ellen and like all the Really? Yeah. Because it was like the first dog to ever be a mayor. Oh, wow. It beat out Jake's grandpa. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's the town mayor. (laughs) So we were like, dude, we should get, because he passed away now. So I don't think there is a mayor of Cormoran anymore. So we're like, we should get an animal and then that could be the new dog so it's like or the new mayor right so it's like well we're not the mayor but our dog is (laughs) that's awesome did you always want to stay in that small town after moving
4: to california and living out there for a little bit and then i lived in wausau wisconsin like during the winters for the race team um i just like realized i'm like gosh i just really love the I love the freedom of the small town being able to ride my dirt bike or snowmobile wherever, yep. you know, riding through the ditches. And, and yeah, I mean the small town, the nice part about it is you kind of know everyone and in people, it kind of keeps you in check. You, you don't get too far crazy or, you know, yeah. you, you, in your head, you know, a lot of people always say like, gosh, you're like, You're pretty down to earth, you know, and I'm like, I'm the garbage man's son is what I always say, you know, my dad was the garbage man and, and I just like you can't, you can't be too, too cool, you know, in town because someone will put you in your place like Oh, you who do you think you are, you know, and you're like, you're right. So I think it was it was a blessing being from a small town because there was maybe less distraction. And there was always someone to like be there to like put you in your place saying, who are you, you know? And I think that was, that was helpful for me. And and now I just love the freedom of being able to ride my snowmobile, go on the boat, dirt, dirt bike. I mean, having a dirt bike track, you know, you hear some folks like the, like Maddo, for instance, out in California, telling me how like the neighbors and stuff, they're constantly on them about noise. And I go ride my dirt bike whenever I want. I mean, I try not to do it at night too much, but but, you know, I love that part of it and I just love the, the community of it all.
1: Yeah. That's the best part about living, you know, in Minnesota one with all the seasons we, we can do so many different things, but living in a small town is, you know, when you go out to the bars, like when we went snowmobiling with you and we went to that, that local bar and got lunch and, uh, we pull up on all these new sleds and everyone's like, oh, Levi, oh, you got a new fleet, Levi. <laughs> and we just walk yeah. in and just like a normal dude. And, mm-hmm. and we were like fanboying and everyone else was just like giving you shit, which is always yeah. cool to
4: see. Yeah, it's cool. It's small town. is It's fun for that reason is you, you know, you're all kind of a, the community, you feel that community. And, and I don't know how it is for you guys around here, but it's great in Longville. Everyone's really supportive of what we've done and what we're doing and, um, you know, there's always some people that think otherwise, but for in, in general, I think everybody is um, very supportive of what we're doing and understand, understands like, you know, that it's, that we put our, we put a lot of effort into it Yeah, and it's cool to, you know, it's cool to be able to help out the community after the fact, you know, like we're, we, we try to do what we can to, to help out our, our town as well, um, you know, which our snowmobile club is a really easy one. We just did some stuff with them and we do a little bit with, um, you know, the, the town on other aspects, which is, it's cool to be able to, to give back and help when we, where we can.
1: Isn't it cool that this day and age, um, you, you can live in a small town of 170 people or corn run of like 25 people (laughs) and be known on like a world stage just because (laughs) like, You can just do so many different things. And just because you live somewhere, you're not, you're not stuck there. Right. And like, I don't know, we've done it in a different way with the internet, but you've done it in, in, you know, almost like not necessarily like the, like the internet, uh, way, but the racing and X games and getting your name out there in such a different way. And, uh, it's just like proof that you're not really, you're not stuck where you grew up. Yeah. Or, I mean, you can be, but that doesn't really determine your success.
5: It's like having the choice not to be. I love what you said, though, with the the people around your area keeping you grounded because they knew you before. Right. Before. And and that's I feel like that for us. There's a lot of people around here that know us way before we did this. And those are the ones that don't act any different. And they'll keep us in check. Most people around here really like us. And all the things you said about living in a small town, especially in Minnesota, is so accurate to hear, honestly.
3: But it's cool that you can affect people outside of your town. So I was reflecting back on, you know, what I knew about you. And I remembered this time, uh, it was at the Dilworth racetrack. And I remember being like a kid, you know, the wide eyed fan that walks up to you. And, uh, I walked up to you and you stop and you took five, 10 minutes, however it was. And you, we had this interaction. I still remember it to this day. (laughs) You still, I was like, man. You asked me all the right questions. You asked me, you know, oh, what snowmobile do you ride? All this stuff. When I left that conversation, it was like you knew me, and if we saw each other in Walmart, you would ask me <laughs> about it. Like It truly like pivoted like my life in that. I was like, that was the coolest thing, was meeting Levi. And, man, That's that cool. was probably 12-plus years ago. Yeah. So it's cool that even though we or you are from a small town, you can affect people in, all over the country and world that you get to meet, that these kids can, like, look up to you and be like, dang, what he's doing is cool.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, I mean, it's it's fun to see, you know, going to Hades and seeing the, the kids are, like, crazy with you. I mean... I don't know if there's a kid out there that doesn't have a seaboy shirt on <laughs> at eight It's so cool. but I mean that's that's something that that you guys it's it's actually a big responsibility, you know for yeah, you guys. Absolutely. I mean you do you affect the people, uh, you know, a lot of people. and I think once you embrace that and you go, holy cow like, like people you know are really paying attention to what I'm doing and you have the power to influence them in a positive way or a negative or whatever. You know, I, I always look at it and go like, it, it's, it's definitely kind of, I don't want to say toned me down, but it's, it's directed me, we'll say, because I know that people are paying attention and I don't want to, I don't want to give a bad example or I don't want to do that within, within reason. Like I still enjoy having fun, yeah, but I, I do definitely want to, you know, encourage, I, I want to try to encourage and in. in and help people get to where they where they want to go and i think with you guys it's a it's a perfect example cuz you look at the success you guys have had at such a young age and you look at the the kids coming up and you know a lot of times the, you know you're from a small town and a lot of times people think like what can you what can you be what can you accomplish and there's so many people that so many kids that just go on to do what what's normal the comfort status level. quo yeah it's like you know this is what my parents did this is what they did that's what I'm gonna do instead of going hey I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it and then that's what you guys did you guys kept going and and you were able to make this incredible thing and I think that's inspiration for these kids hopefully they look at it and go yeah I can do I can do anything yeah and that's wow. what I've <laughs> always you, thought man.
5: thank yeah. you so, and, and like, at lot. the very least, I I want to inspire them to believe that, that they can truly go out and do anything. But at the very least, I want to inspire them to ride. You know, I'm sure you've gotten that. So many kids or or dudes or old guys are like, hey, went out and bought a dirt bike, haven't ridden in four years, decided to get back into it because of you guys. Like, that's fun to hear, yeah. especially for how tight-knit the snowmobile community is. When, when you get people riding, like, it's the best.
4: Absolutely. I I try to say that to everyone is, like, Snowmobiling, you know, not only is it—it's obviously done a tremendous amount for me with jumps and racing and everything like that. But the thing that I love is like going out riding now, just with my buddies, going out riding with my family, whatever it may be. The experiences, the the memories that you make on these different trips riding—it—it's brought so much joy to my life. And I just think, like, gosh, like if you encourage people to go out and ride, you know, think of the the rush you get from jumping your dirt bike or whatever. If, if somebody else can experience that, heck yeah. Like try to try to get them out there and, and, you know, to go on a whole nother level of that. I think about what racing did for me when I was a kid, you know, in those teenage years when, you know, troubles, troubles out looking for you, <laughs> you know, I was fortunately focused on racing even though I was still able to find plenty of trouble, but it kept me like, you know, the the main focus was, you know, go race, do well, you know, kept me focused on something instead of idle hands, just looking for trouble.
1: I was actually going to ask you that. So where do you think when you were going down like that freestyle lane, it seems like you can either go like the bad boy route. Mm-hmm. Like uh, we had with Haley Deegan, we were yeah. asking her about Brian Deegan. You know, right. he went like the bad boy route. Or you can True. go like the Travis Pastrana, you know, a little more like clean image. Right. Did you always want to be more clean image, have people like, you know, more respectable? I, it's funny you say that because there,
4: there was a time, I mean, I used to, I used to, watch all the metal militia guys and do all that. And I used to think, um, Seth Enslow, he was like a guy that was always going big and getting broken off and stuff like that. But he was all kind of more metal militia type. And I kind of fell into a little bit of that, like maybe in just, I don't know, like maybe just out of high school or right at the end of high school, I was like really into those guys. And then something stood out to me about Travis Cause I just remember, like he just kept doing crazy stuff, and he was just so super nice, you know, on TV and, and whatnot. And then what really, what really sold me on Travis is when I actually met him, for the first time, and I'm like, holy cow, you are that guy! Like you're like you're that guy, pal. Like mm-hmm. you're like not. It's not like just a front. Like you're like literally just wide open, you know. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna bust your balls on something for sure, but he's always like super nice and, and positive. And I'm like, that's that's pretty cool. And it, it was a he inspired me a lot. And I think one of the things that stands out to me was in two thousand six he won three gold medals at X Games. It was he did the double backflip, he won freestyle and he won rally car. And in rally car, he uh Colin McRae, who was like the the ultimate guy, right? He's the guy that always won. He crashed, rolled his car over, and it landed back on its wheels, and he finished like like a second or something slower than Travis. So he would have won had he not rolled over and had to get going again. Yep. And Travis was just like, like he, I remember his interview. He's like, I'm just honored to be out here racing against Colin McRae. You know, he just won his third gold medal, keep in mind. I'm just honored to be out there racing against this guy. And I just like, this guy is so much class. You know, he's just got he, – he's, he's just such a good dude. And it then when I met him and he was still that guy, I went, holy cow. Like, that's that's what I want to – that's what yeah. I want to be.
3: The image so. I
1: want to portray. Well, I mean, you've done an incredible job at it. I think anybody that's met, you can say that. You give uh, respect and time to all of your fans, which means a lot because we've met – you know, plenty of people that do have an ego and and uh, think that you know kills it. And in my eyes, because like there's something to be said about you know insanely talented people, but if they have no personality and and uh, they're not fun or nice to be around, then when the cameras are off or you're not doing something crazy, then what's the point? Um, sure. Which is crazy that you have the the helmet on. You're doing these insane tricks you would think that when the helmet's off you'd still be a crazy guy but you're sitting here like a like a normal respectable man you you wouldn't think that you would have like this inner beast once you get on the sled which is uh it's just always cool to see and break down like the athletes and show their real personalities i don't know it's it's funny because i
4: i still have a hard time like comprehending that it, it, I would be that, that you could be anything different than that, I guess. Like, I just always think I'm like, Oh yeah, I ride my snowmobile and I jump stuff, but it's, I keep, I keep hearing like you're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, like, well, I always, I try to relate it back to like my buddy is a carpenter and he could build great. He can build crazy houses and all that stuff, but that's what he's done his whole life. Like I've been riding snowmobiles and jumping and stuff like that my whole life. And you just continue to progress. So that's how it got to that. Yeah, it got a little bit a little bit different. I think maybe, maybe you know, Travis has a good line. He says, I'm a, a what do you call it, risk analysis or, or something like that. He's like, I, I'm constantly analyzing risk versus reward mm-hmm. is what he's doing. And he's like, I'm a professional at that. And, you know, I'm like, oh, that kind of makes sense to me. But, um, you know, in, in regards to... You know what? What we've been able to do on the snowmobile—it's—it's it's literally just come back to like my love for fun and my love for, have you know, riding my snowmobile and having a good time, and being from a small town, like I said, you can't—you got to be—you got to be a pretty straight shooter, otherwise
5: someone's gonna let you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, got any other questions,
5: boys? I got one. I got one random last question because I read this in an interview that you did. I have no idea when, but it says. I want to know, did you actually throw a paper airplane at Kristen with your number on it at the Alaris Center at a snow cross, at yeah. an indoor snow cross race? Yeah. But it didn't get to her. No, it Either. did.
4: Oh, it, it did. It got to her. It got to her. So Kristen is my my wife. So she um, – now my wife. She was not at that time. But I remember, you know, we're sitting there. It's kind of like we're at – it was one of – well, it was kind of mid-season. But anyway, like I saw my wife, and I'm like, hey, pretty girl, right? You know, and I'm <laughs> 20 years old. I'm like, I'd like to talk to the pretty girl. So, I, um, so I'm um, i sitting there, at, you know, I'm signing posters with my roommate, Aaron Christensen. He's right next to me. And I'm like, "Holy oh, God, you see that girl? You know, and, and she went through with her brother, and I was like, oh, they must be like, boyfriend and girlfriend right so you just kind of like on to the next well then I saw her over talking to some other people and I'm like wait a minute maybe maybe that's not her boyfriend you know and she's standing in the distance and I'm like you know I'm like you know I'm trying to flag her in right and she's like talking to someone so I'm like well this isn't working I'm like I gotta figure something out
1: hey hey, you you want a poster I just signed
4: so I, I I signed a I put my number on a poster made a paper airplane out of my poster and I zing this thing, like zing it <laughs> like that. And, like, thinking about it, like, if, if, can you imagine? Like, she was talking kind of perpendicular to me. So she didn't see it coming. Can you imagine if I would have, like, fucked her up, stuck out. her in the eye? With, like,
6: oh.
1: Love at first can you, sight out yeah, of one eye. <laughs>
4: yeah. Like, can you – my number is on there if you want to look at it with your good eye, right? <laughs> but anyway, so I zing it, and it lands, and it goes skating, like, kind of right in, right in front of her. And she they, like – looked down, and she was talking to one of my race buddies. So that's what, like, I was like, oh, hey, I, he looks like he knows her, right? So I, I threw it, and they both look over at me, and I'm like, I'm like, pick it up. I'm mouthing, pick it up. Yeah, pick it, you know, <laughs> thumbs up and stuff. And while I'm doing that, Aaron Christian's my teammate. He's next to me, and he's he's doing the, like, Cut it, you know, like don't pick it up. So she looks at it, she looks at him, and then she just walks away. And I'm no. like, I'm like, oh man. <laughs> so
1: why was your buddy doing that?
4: Kind of uh, cock blocking you? Well, what?
5: I don't know. It was just <laughs> he's probably it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. Yeah, most like. Well, and two, she's like, she's
4: a bit taller than me too. So he's probably like, dude, you're setting yourself up for <laughs> failure. She ain't gonna dig you. But anyway, so so I uh, I go you know, I was pretty determined. So I go and I talk to the buddy she was talking to afterwards and I said, Hey, what's the deal with that girl? You know? And he's like, which one? I'm like the, the blonde girl you were talking to. Oh yeah. That's Kristen. He's like, I'm trying to hook up with her. And I'm like, Oh, I'm like, you think you could give me her number?
6: <laughs> he's
4: like, not a chance. So anyway, in the, in the meantime, like probably two weeks go by and, it, you know, he was trying to hook up with her and she dodged him completely. So he finally, he's like, he's like, Hey man, do you want that girl's number? Cause he lived, he lived like 10 minutes from where she was from. So he's like, here, you can have her number. So he did. And I, I called her from New York. We were out here for a race. And I like, like telemarketer call her out of nowhere like she doesn't know <laughs> just cold caller. her cold caller. her 100 like hey this is levi you know like long walks on the beach you know <laughs> what did she into- oh, wait actually yeah. what did you say like yeah, how does yeah, that what? interaction go uh it's that's what's funny about it now is like because i my uh <laughs> my brother-in-law uh kristen's sister and my brother-in-law they they text message each other for a month never talked on the phone and then they met for the first time at our house. And I'm like, oh, this is awkward. You know, what if they don't like each other, right? But, uh, you know, I, I, I think about that. And that's like so much, that's what happens now is like you can talk to someone on the internet, text messaging and messaging back and forth, never even actually talk to them in person. And I mean, not even in person. Like I, I talked to Kristen for over a month and before we finally, you know, end of season came and I was like, hey, like you want to meet. And it was like that was kinda awkward too. It's like you just show up. I've been talking to you for a month. And you know, yeah. Hopefully you're hopefully you're like as
1: cool as I think you are. <laughs> Turns right. out that your buddy gave you a totally different chick's number and you show up
5: oh and, yeah, and you're like, Oh <laughs> you're <hey>, oh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, not the one I thought it was. Yeah. Uh, well, that was your first time meeting her.
4: Yeah. So I met her there and then, you know, it was probably a month month or so later and then we went um I, I met her again and, and you know we kinda hit it off and um and then we started we dated for a little bit, broke up and then started dating again and then dated for eight years. Uh, which you guys you guys none of you guys are married or anything, no? So it I pushed it out for eight years and then finally I made mean, it happen. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad she did. She yeah. was like, <laughs> it worked out well. Yeah, yeah, she was like, really?
1: Like, <laughs>
4: kind of dragging this up. Oh, like,
1: really? Like, well,
5: well I mean, any girl was like, say, like hold that. up,
1: was all of her friends getting married too? Yeah, everyone starts getting married.
4: And, there's and all you were
1: that like, stuff. I'm on to race snowmobiles. Let's <laughs> chill.
4: Yeah. Well, and, 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 you know, that was part of it is it like, I, for me, like, that snowmobiling thing was like, that was my dream to be able to do what, what we were able to and, and I was so focused on it. It was like, you know, that was that was kind of the where I was at at that point in my life. And, you know, we we dated for from the time I was twenty, you know, until twenty eight or something, I suppose it was. It was quite a while. But in that that was right in the meat and potatoes of like my career of racing yeah. and everything. Yep. So, you know, and, and she um she was a champ, you know, but I
1: I'm glad that I finally did, you know. Put a ring on her? Yeah. Before she went and
5: hit up your buddy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, We said that about our significant others. are like, you guys, like, it's hard. We're in the thick of of living out our dream. Right. And so sometimes you just get really so caught up in just trying to get videos out that you forget to spend time. Yeah. And also commitment and stuff like that. But that's, cra- that's a crazy story. I was mm-hmm. expecting her to just... I don't know, get your number, and then you guys started talking. But the way that, that paper airplane never made it, but the marriage happened eight years later.
1: Yeah. There you go, man. It's a it's a love story to be told. <laughs> That's a great story.
5: Yeah, that yeah might, it was pretty fun.
1: Pretty fun. All right. Well, that might well, be everything.
5: Thank you so much. Phenomenal stories.
1: Yeah, yeah that was awesome. Yeah, it, it's awesome. It's always fun.
4: to. It's always fun. You know, I feel bad because I, you get me rolling, and I can just – ramble there's so many stories oh, it's all good. so much stuff so i could sit here and i should be i should be interviewing you guys is what i should be doing because you guys have endless stories as well But
1: well, you can start a podcast and we'll come out well, we'll be like, <laughs> or next time
5: we'll do it in a year and just flip flop it just yeah, flip it yeah yeah well,
1: thank you guys for having me this Thanks has for been coming. awesome we know we really appreciate it like i said Uh, you've truly been one of all of our idols. So to have the chance to sit down and talk to you is, is really cool, especially being in the loft of our garage and the internet can listen like wild because I don't know if we'd be here if it wasn't for idols like you, you know, just like shaping our lives as we were kids, you know, getting us into things like snowmobiles that if we've managed to make a career out of it and I don't know, man, it's gone full circle. So it's really cool to have the opportunity to just sit here and, chat with you and just know that that's the impact that you make on on kids that you meet you know they might turn up to interview you one day (laughs) and uh same thing with a lot of people listening right now um yeah
5: i'm I'm just stoked for everyone to like hear you tell all those stories and everything i know you've told them elsewhere but uh yeah our a lot of our viewers are also obviously huge fans of you so it's just super cool so thanks for coming on yeah, Thanks they, for making the drive out. This yeah. uh, this winter, we're going to do something. Oh, yeah. yeah. Something fun. Something
1: fun. Yeah, we got to one-up the uh, tandem jump. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Oh, can we come and do something into your foam pit?
5: <laughs> we could make that happen. Okay. okay go. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for watching, guys. Subscribe, like, and uh, comment, please. And we'll see you guys next time. All right. Peace.
0: <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Angie.